Hey there, folks. What do you know? It's the Uticast episode 219. Uh, joining us this week, the Munson Williams Proctor Arts Institute Artists of Residence for 2019, Janet Lauren Hill and Michael uh, W. Hicks, joined by Audrey Hassan Taylor. Great conversation with them. Very excited. We're talking all about uh, art, about photography, uh, installation stuff, all sorts of uh, topics scattered across the art world also this week. Uh, Kevin is here. Heather is here. Justin is back a week after he was here last week. You can't escape him. Uh, we have all sorts of uh, stuff we're going to be covering this week. History lessons. Uh, we're talking about how we only have one night of debates. Uh, the science fiction movies that made us the most excited growing up. Uh, Taco Bell, chicken sandwiches. Uh, all this, so much more, folks, on another jam-packed episode of the cast. And as always, we are happy Before we get into it, I heard something interesting on Twitter today. I think you'll have a take on it. Apparently, they uh, the the new Joker movie starring Joaquin Phoenix uh, was screened somewhere, like Venice, uh, Venice film. Sure, one music. of those places. Got some big eight-minute standing ovation afterwards. People apparently loved the new Joker movie. Um, then I also saw a tweet on the internet that I'm going to pull up. That was basically, the Joker movie is going to be successful, and they're going to remake more good movies as worse comic book bad ones. Excited for Dog Day Afternoon, but with Bane for some reason. I'm really looking forward to actually to Dog Day Afternoon starring Bane from Batman. Why, is that what they did? <laughs> no, I think they're just joking around that like, this feels like a Martin Scorsese movie that they put the Joker in. Oh, I see. Do you see. know what I'm saying? Like, I see, yeah, yeah. Uh, are there any, I've like, been waiting for that, yeah. I kind of like the idea of take an old like movie that I like already and put a weird superhero character. That's into. a bridge too far. From I kind of like it. Like, yeah, this is like the kings of comedy with the Joker inserted into it. I'd like to see Dog Day Afternoon with Bane or Heat with like uh, Tommy Lee Jones as Two Face. Dog Day Afternoon with Bane was pretty much just The Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> it's true. Where he's all angry and taking on the system. You ever seen Dog Day Afternoon? Yeah. It's a good movie. It's kind yeah, of underappreciated. We're not going to do a Pacino. Cla- old-time classic. We're not going to do a Pacino Apex Mountain or anything, but um, mm. I, I remember That Dog- wouldn't be it. No, certainly not. But I do think that's an underappreciated Al Pacino movie. You think so? Yeah, I think so. I don't think people talk about Dog Day Afternoon and Pacino's, like, top movies. So I feel like that's, like, top three. Well, like, what? Number one you is Devil's that, Advocate. Scarface and Godfather. <laughs> Devil's Advocate, no. Scarface, no. Godfather. Those are the three. He's trying to get me upset. We're coming up. Uh, welcome back to the show, folks. Kevin, uh, we're doing a quick little uh, sort of lazy Sunday uh, podcasting. Segment, yeah. Yeah, because you will be gone on Monday. Yes. Yeah, where are you, where are you going? You're going... Uh, I've got to play a show. We're playing at the Vernon Downs Casino on Monday. Ah, Vernon Downs. Very yeah, nice. Um, they, you know, they pay. They, <laughs> that they, <laughs> they do. They pay their money. That they do. Hey, uh, quick question. You played a wedding earlier this weekend. I uh, just last night. Just last night. Matter of fact. Uh, and, you know, I got me thinking about something because you mentioned it to me this yeah. week. You probably have, you have to dress up 
to play a wedding. You're not like, oh, wearing yeah. a t-shirt yeah, of and shorts. I would I mean I'm not wearing t-shirt and shorts on any stage anywhere, but sure. yeah. Right. <laughs> Uh, point I'm getting, you were wearing like dress shoes though. You were sort of saying, I can't imagine having to play a show in dress shoes. All my life I've played music and performed in like sneakers or skateboarding shoes or whatever it is. But I mean, have you ever danced at a wedding? My feet hurt afterwards. Well, yeah, not, your, your feet that's do what hurt. I'm saying. Yeah. Not optimal shoe wear, I feel like. No, it's for, not the best. As soon as, as soon as we were done, we pulled off stage and like we, you know, we were talking to all the people, all the well-wishers, the couple, you know, some stuff like that. People coming up saying nice stuff, saying, you know, how, how good of a time they had when we were playing. Uh, but yeah, one of the first moves you do is get back into more comfortable shoes, just because like then you got to load out all the gear, like you're carrying yeah. everything out. You know, oh, I mean? you're bringing, sure. we bring full PA, so subwoofers, lighting rigs, all that stuff. Uh, so yeah, one of the first things you want to do is normally pop back into like a t-shirt and some sneakers. Uh, yeah, I not feel you with that. I uh, <laughs> I'm like that the minute I get home from work. Actually, I'm like I don't know how many folks are out there like me. Like, the first thing I do when I get home from work is change out of my work clothes. I don't know if that's, like, a common thing. A lot of people wait until, like, later on in the evening. Yeah, you sprint right to it. I'm, I have nowhere to go. What's going on? What am I, what am I waiting for? If I'm going to so do I'm, stuff around so the I'm house. I'm what are you in such a hurry? If I'm going to be doing stuff around the house, I want to be comfortable. I'm not, like, in any... I feel like you should. I feel like your regular clothes should be comfortable as well. My regular clothes are not as comfortable as. I mean, they're not. They're never gonna be as comfortable. But they shouldn't <laughs> yeah. be such a restriction that you know. Oh, Charlie wants attention here in the studio again. You've been loud in the studio a lot lately, Charlie. You mean coming in, meowing at people? Yeah, exactly. Uh, anyhow, uh, so this week on the podcast with Munson Williams Proctor Art Institute 2019 Artists in Residence. That's Janet Lauren Hill uh, and Michael Hicks, along with Audrey Hassan Taylor, who's been here before. Great time talking to them. I always like talking to art folks because I like asking them like unanswerable questions, like "What is art?" Oh, <laughs> yeah, some, yeah, real, some deep, some deep dive, well, hard hitting stuff. Well, because I always ask them, and we we do ask this. I ask them is like, is a video game art? Are movies art? Like, what signifies art and like high art? And uh, it's always a tough question for people, and I like to ask artistic folks that. So let me ask you the question, Kevin: Are movies and video games art? Yeah, of course. Yeah, what do commercial you art though. It's not like what, 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 like commercial art is some qualifier that makes it somehow not count. I don't know. It's hard to. It's hard for me to to put like a an oil painting and a PlayStation Three game on the same thing. Of like these are both art, but I guess it. I guess in the grand scheme of things, yeah, I guess it all is. Yeah, I mean, you could you like it's like food, right? <laughs> yeah, really I though, like I mean, you would put like some amazing beef dish next to. Mm-hmm. Some people, like a McDonald's apple pie, they're both still food. Yeah, they're yeah. different kinds of food, but they're both still food. <laughs> uh, that's fair, I guess. Yeah, what is art? Uh, all right, so before we get into any other stuff this week, I just want to say a uh, quick shout-out. I imagine Justin and Heather will be on later uh, for the second segment, but I just want to remind people this week coming up, uh, Friday and Saturday, 4th Annual, Made in Utica, Downtown, Get Down. Uh, presented by AmeriQ and tons and tons of sponsors who it would take me forever to list here. Uh, Friday night from 7, p- uh, 7 to 10 p.m. at the Uptown Theater, we're going to be doing the Passport Release Party, some live music, up in, uh, improv pro- uh, comedy. And then Saturday from 9 a.m. until uh, all the way up till 6 p.m., we have tons of events going on at Franklin Square, Bag Square, Handshake City. Go to handshake.city or maidenutica.com to check it out. Kevin, are you going to be attending? you got shows this weekend coming I'll be around. Up. I'm very excited for the downtown get down. As always, always a great event. Um, I don't know how many people like people have already seen the the pictures from the the passport. I think it looks great this year. I love it does. The, I love the theme. It does. See in house design. We can just do this. Justin can just do this himself. <laughs> he doesn't need 
outside design. That's what he does. That's what he's always done. Not always. Last year we had a lot of help from like the, the Dave Delachases and those. Yeah, folks yeah. The world. yeah. I mean, you pull people on for certain things, but like I mean, for the most part, it's always been his way to just design stuff and go after it and do his own thing. But that that comes back around to what you were just saying about like what is art. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, he can do all the design, and the design always looks good and it's always mm-hmm. really good. But you get into some stuff like when we've had Maria and we've had Dave, like and you're getting some real true blue artist stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, so it's always I think it's always cool how the passport has evolved to always be some sort of artistic presentation and have some sort of like you know theme and look and coherent thing behind it. Uh, so uh, one last 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 thing that I should point out before we get into the things I want to talk about this week. Uh, so you don't start, want to talk about these things? I do, but I want to talk about this as well. Uh, Tuesday I start my next round of classes for Neat. for my grad school stuff, but this might be the end. This is it for me. Good. I think that this is the year that your boy gets his master's degree. It's coming down. There you go. Then you will be the master. I suppose. <laughs> I <laughs> will you make people start calling you the master? The master? No. no I think I you think should. So. I think you should make some certain um, good friends of the pod call you the master. I think there are some people in my life, uh, particularly my family, who think... will call you the master? Will <laughs> no, who think I'm a little scared to get to the end. They think I'm, like, gonna... They've expressed that to me. Yeah, yeah I've heard that. Yeah. I've heard that take. Uh, I'm seems not, like a, it seems like a weak take. It's not a... I'm not scared, certainly. I'm kind of burned out, I guess. I bet. Do you know what I mean? Like, from the schooling part of it, I'd like to just get that part over. I'm not necessarily... I've said it a million times before. When you're 33, it's a little harder to get into the idea of, like, doing research papers the way they do when I was in my early 20s. I, like, fall asleep early. I have to change the way I do things. I had to, like, relearn how to, like write papers and space out my stuff. I'm not, like, probably for good reasons, mind you. I'm not, like, staying up till four in the morning working on papers, like, three nights before, two nights before they're due or anything. Sure. Uh, but it is a lot of a time crunch to really dig in and do all these classes, and I'm hoping that uh, it doesn't affect the rest of everything else I'm doing in a negative way. That's always my big concern. Well, the next thing is soon it'll be done, and then once it's done, it's done, and that's just it. And then it's just out there in the world trying to be a teacher. You're already out there in the world. Mr. Fam. Yeah. Oh, Mr. Famalaro, I didn't bring my homework in because I'm a bum. Boom, you're fired. <laughs> Get out. Um, so, uh, I just want to bring this up to you. I, there's a, I saw an, a big article in the uh, in the Observer Dispatch this morning uh, about the Sunset School in South Utica and the issues going on with the neighborhood and the, mm-hmm. and the building they want to put in there. I don't know as much about this subject as you do. Uh, I can just point people toward the article. I have other stuff, but do you have any thoughts about what's going on? We never really talked about it. Yeah, we have. Yeah, have we, we, talked, about yeah, we talked about it uh, on one or two other episodes. We got into oh. it a little bit and talked about like, what's happening and whatnot. Well, there's a big write-up in the article I saw in the OD this morning. So if you have any more questions, about it, I thought, thought the article was a pretty good rundown about what's been going on and why people seem to be upset about it. Because well, they're not fools. <laughs> right. Seems to mostly be because no one notified. They feel like they weren't notified. They weren't. Yeah. Because it's Because uh, it's sneaky. Because not only is it they're doing a bad idea, but they did it sneaky because they know it's not a very good idea. I, I guess, what is the point of the building they're putting in? I don't know enough about, like... What will they tell you the point is, or what is the point? What is the point? The point is somebody's getting paid. I see. People are getting paid. That's not what they're going to tell you, though. No, no, they're telling you. They're, they're trying to hide because they've got a certain amount of units earmarked for people um, on the spectrum, people uh, spec. Autism spectrum, yeah, with uh, people with autism, you know, sure. things like that. They've got a few units for that, you know, so that people can live independently as an adult, which is great, and that's mm-hmm. a good thing. But then they've got, like, a whole bunch of other units. They keep just being like, oh, well, you know, 
why wouldn't you want these people to have housing, you know, these people with disabilities and whatnot. And, like, that's not the issue. That's just, like, disingenuous. Not the full story. They're just hiding behind to try to pack it in so that they can make money off 60 units tucked away in a little neighborhood in South Utica. It seems very large. It's just huge. thinking about four stories and 60 units like we said, area. Like every time, you know, like we said the other times, we talked about this. Like, you know, I grew up down the block and around the corner from where yeah. they want to put it. Like, I know that neighborhood. There's not 60 houses in that neighborhood, probably. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, you know, traffic. They don't really have parking lots for it. It's just, it's cramming a lot of people into a neighborhood for what doesn't seem to be any discernible real reason. And if finding housing was, you know, really the number one thing that it was about, there's a lot of other places you could put it that aren't tucked back there in on Sunset Ave. No, that's fair. Uh, well, again, if you want to read more about it, there's a big write-up in the OD about it that I thought it was pretty good. Uh, Kevin, I do want to ask you a few political questions before Great. we... <laughs> Very exciting. Uh, so, earlier this week, it was announced that we have finalized our lineup for the September Democratic debates. It is only, debates. It's only going to be... One night. That's the good news. Mm -hmm. Bad news. It's a scam. Don't watch it. It's gonna be three hours long. Scam. Nobody should watch it. Why? What's your? Why? Nobody should watch it. Stop because it's a because it's a joke. Well, I guess like no nobody's debating. They're doing sound clips. I mean, it's like a listen to it. It's like a, a sporting event. Like you know, we've got the lineup finalized, and everybody will be out there to cram their policy into sixty seconds or less. Well, I'm glad you got into this because the point I was I actually had it written down here. When at at what point in time should we start taking? Uh, the debates and discussions about it seriously. I'm not convinced that there's any time we should take the televised debates on corporate media seriously. Okay. Fine, I guess. <laughs> Fine. Uh, I mean, well, I mean, at some point in time, yeah. there's people on here that matter. Like, at some, there's at least four people who are going to have something to say in this, I feel like. Is it sure. just that we have to get rid of, like, six more people before people care? What I don't know. I still, I don't know. I, I know it's all sound People seem to care already. I don't know. It just feels like at some point, in, like everyone, every debate we've had so far, it's become like a meme fest, and like no one seems to get yeah, anything out. That's of what them. it'll continue to be until when? That's kind of forever. <laughs> the fall of like modern technical society. I don't it's think not that go, not. It's not going back. They did it last year. You know, I mean, in 2016 rather. I guess it was I just, the same thing. I don't know. I feel like at some point in time, when it gets down to maybe just three, we take everything they say seriously, as opposed to making it a fucking, like, internet joke. Right? Like, just content for people to laugh about. You are a more optimistic man than I am in that regard. I guess. I mean, like, I don't know. It, it doesn't... It can't just feel like we're spinning our wheels out here. There's an actual election coming up in a year. So, yeah. we need to stop pretending like we're spinning our wheels and just, like, going through the motions... So why aren't people taking anyone seriously? I guess is another. That's I I don't know I don't know that you can correlate the two and say that people aren't taking people seriously. People aren't taking the format and the platform seriously of like these televised little chunked up soundbite debates. You don't need a debate on CNN to to learn about a candidate or hear what they have to say in 2019. Yeah, but how do you fix it for the mainstream people who aren't going to go finding it in different aspects? Do you? I don't know what you do about those. I don't mean, I don't know how you get people to stop like that. Because I thought about this a couple different ways. Like, you couldn't just do, like, four nights in a row where each person gets, like, an hour a night. Like, you couldn't just put Biden out there for an hour on Tuesday and Harris out there for an hour on Wednesday. I don't know if people would keep their... Like engagement more than one. I mean, two, they three do nights. that too. Those are town halls. Like they've got CNN's got a yeah. seven-hour stretch of different town halls lined up with like an mm -hmm. hour piece for seven different candidates. So they've mm -hmm. got that. 
but it's just the the way that it's presented like it's sports on television is detrimental. Mm. That's fair. Uh, do you know who the 10... Uh, the 10 who's in there is Biden, Sanders, uh, Warren, Harris, Pete Buttigieg. Beto's still there. Still mm-hmm. <laughs> I keep waiting yeah. for him to sort of like say I'm done. Not yet. Uh, Cory Booker, uh, Amy Klobuchar, who I'm still surprised is kind of there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew Yang. <laughs> still like seeing him out there. And Julian Castro, who I feel like had some some burn for a minute, but it's kind of cooled down a little bit in the public perception. Mm. People were sad that there's no Marianne Williamson. <laughs> it seems we're talking about that's exactly it, though. Right? Like, memes, like, yeah. I wish the crystal. Um, I mean, because we all when will it stop being that when we yeah. all stop responding? Well, yeah, to that? Exactly. you know what I mean. Like yeah. when we all stop having like snarky 140 character yeah. jokes come out of our mouths about when we watch the debates. Uh, on the other side of this coin. Uh, did you see there's a, a candidate running against Trump on the GOP side? This At least guy, one. Be more. This guy, Joe yeah. Walsh. And I've read enough about Joe Walsh to know that he's not a, a nice... No, he's a grifter he's, and a scumbag. Yeah, he's another scumbag, too. Um, but I guess the question is, what does it mean that they're running? Is it Were they always going to run somebody against Trump on the GOP side? I mean, who's they? He's running. He's running, yeah. yeah. I wonder if it'll do anything. Like, if anyone... I think the GOP will probably just stay the course anyway, even though this guy's out here. Maybe there are some folks who... It doesn't do them any favors to support this guy. I don't know, man. I've got a, I've got a specific outlook and perspective. Um, I don't necessarily know that they... If I was a betting man, mm-hmm. I would feel pretty comfortable putting a lightly hedged bet on the fact that uh, Trump is not the nominee in 2020. Really? And I don't think he's not going to get beat in a primary. It's not going to be right. anything like that. Um, he, I don't know, man. He doesn't, he's not well. Oh, so, oh, I see what you he's mean. He's not, so, like, he's yeah. not, they have, they've put him out there. We've seen him for, like, one hour in the last, like, ten days. And when he's out there, like, his speech patterns are getting really bad. He's doing, he's got weird facial tics and, like, body jerks and, like, looks like he's having balance issues and, like, mm. falling, like... He looks like a guy who's got frontal temporal dementia. We didn't. Is what it looks like. I don't know. Like that's crazy, and I understand. But like when you really kind of look at it, well, I'm, we'll see. We didn't talk about any of the G seven last week. We didn't talk about any of the stories no. that came out of it because it did seem like because America didn't participate. <laughs> we didn't. But that's that's a strange thing to think about, though. That like um, he's already a weird guy, prone to saying weird stuff. Are we missing the... Did it get weirder and we all... 100%. Just, it got weirder, Everybody's right? got fatigue. Everybody's making jokes. How many people heard like, oh, I just don't even pay attention anymore? I understand it's exhausting, but like, you know, it's it's your duty as American. Like, you gotta pay attention. You but did witness. we miss him actually going over the realm of just trolling people to being actually... Depends who, like, yeah. depends who we is. You know I mean? I mean, I guess I did. I always different, assumed it was different. all trolling. Yeah, no, that's not, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think, I like, there's a lot of people have been saying since when he started that he's not well. Yeah. You know what I mean? The guy's not mentally well. Like, you watch him, we, a lot of people take for granted, and I think a lot of people who don't really pay attention to stuff don't realize just how bizarre yeah. this thing has been in, in relation to, you know, his access to the media, uh, the press briefings. They haven't had a daily press briefing in over 170 days right yeah, that's now. Yeah, that's one that people don't There's really no access. This <laughs> guy's not there. You've never seen him eat. Yeah. You've never seen him, you know what I mean? Like, you've never seen him do a lot of things. Like, I think that I would not be surprised to find out before then that he has to get pulled medically before it comes around to next year. Hmm. That's interesting. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not saying that's for sure. I'm just saying that it looks a lot. It looks crazy. You know what I mean? 
Speaking of looking crazy, I have a, seg a segment I want to bring up to you. It's called Conspiracy Sam, or I was calling it Tinfoil Famo. I'm not sure. I need some sort of... I like Conspiracy Sam. Conspiracy yeah. Sam? All right. Uh, reports earlier this week out of uh, Mississippi, of all places, uh, confirmed that voting machines in two counties were changing voter selection. Oh, that's not a conspiracy. Oh, that's not a conspiracy? That's reality? No, no. Yeah, that's a, that's a GOP voter suppression. <laughs> yeah, black glitch. folks getting their votes changed. How scared... You're getting like, purged from voting rolls. It's like, over the years, I've said to myself a lot of times, Sam, you're being paranoid when you think about conspiracy stuff. So this is one I shouldn't feel like I'm being paranoid about. you got to stop just splashing the word conspiracy in every direction because right, it loses right, right. meaning, I think. Um, the Federal Election Commission needs four people on their member on their membership board to enforce the rules. They have three mm -hmm. right now. Trump won't name anybody else, and Mitch McConnell won't confirm anybody else. Mm -hmm. So the Federal Election Commission literally doesn't have enough people to uphold election law, and they're yeah. not going to do anything before 2020. That's not conspiracy. That's not anything. That's that's it's a real reality, thing that you yeah. can look at. Like, they have no interest in a free and fair election. And this, you know, comes around to the whole same thing with, like, you know, the debates and, like, people who think yeah. that Biden is, like, a serious, serious candidate that anybody should be happy about. All of these people are out here and, like, they just want to stick to some status quo and everything to be kind of fine and like not really think about it, not really look at it. But like when you actually look at these things, this stuff is already here. You know what I mean? This notion of like, oh wow, could they have changed a vote? Might they have suppressed some inner city votes? Well, yeah, yeah, they have and they do. Yeah. And you notice you don't see anybody talking about it on the quote unquote liberal media because that's not a thing in this country. Well, uh, one last Trump thing. Trump apparently mad at Fox News. So there might be no Fox News media. He's looking for a new media source. I Dog heard. and Pony Show. I think Dog. he's full of it. Yeah, you think he's, he's not mad at anybody. <laughs> Probably forgets which channel he's on. <laughs> We're talking about the thing. He's flipping around all the time. He knows what channel he's looking at. Uh, I have one last Doomsday report this week. Not about politics, but uh, just about... Uh, there's a report coming out. Uh, i got to find the sourcing from This is from CBS News. 25% uh, of colleges will fail... In the next twenty years, I feel like that's uh, that's about right. Yeah, I believe <laughs> that's it. That's too expensive. I believe you know it. for years because for I'm, just for bloat too. Yeah, it's not too, too expensive because it all of a sudden became so expensive to educate people. No, it's true. Uh, it's something I've always thought about. Like as a guy who loves education, grew up around teaching, who like wants to go be a teacher. Um, I used to always like get in an argument with like my cousin Mike, who's uh, who's a doctor, and I'm like, you know, this is all like. I don't understand why it's so expensive to get, like, who's, who decided that surgery costs, like, $30,000 or whatever? Like, who decided that, like, getting, mm. you know what I mean? And he was like, yeah, but it's too expensive to go to medical school and stuff. It costs a lot of money. Maybe if your education wasn't so expensive to become a doctor, we wouldn't have to cost, like, yeah. and it got in this big circular 100%. argument, and I was like, wow, that's a great point. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You can't. Doctors can't be working for like free. Yeah, doctors can't be making money that people make working on the phone with the insurance company. You know what I mean? They got loans to pay. Yeah, somewhere along the line, and it's, I, I, you'd have to do like some real intense research, I imagine, to figure out when it started. Like the scale tipped, where it's just so much money to go to school that you will never make it back. Oh yeah, yeah. You, you know, I mean, when you don't have to look at anything for when. As yeah. soon as. As soon as loans became federally guaranteed and subsidized so that you couldn't default out of bankruptcy, colleges began to charge whatever they want and raise up more and more and make it cost more and more money because they knew they were getting paid no matter what because the government would back the loan whether or not the student could pay any money at all to go to school. So if the money's going to come from the government automatically, who cares what you charge? You get as much as you can. 
Yeah, it's funny. Like we have to do all these conversations with our kids who are, you know, our seniors who are getting ready for college, and mm-hmm. I have to like talk to them about the idea of taking out loans. And I was like, this is like a fine line here. Like I don't think that loans necessarily are a bad word, ne- like mm-hmm. necessarily, fundamentally. Sure. You just have to know what you're doing, and you don't have to know what sure. you're taking out, and you have to understand what you actually need money. A for. A lot to ask of a 17 year old who's not really getting that education. Yeah, and if you don't have somebody who's like sort of holding your hand through the process, somebody or who's like, been there yeah. before, parents who have already been down that road. Yeah, and I and this is something I've noticed in my line of work with a lot of these parents who are immigrant parents or from not from the United States or don't speak English. Having to navigate that system as a native English speaker is hard to do, let alone somebody who doesn't speak the language or, you know, even be able to understand it without the help of their kids. It's a nightmare, right? Yeah. So uh, it makes a lot of sense. I, I do think, I don't know, like, I'd have to look at what the numbers for, like, whether 25% or 20% of colleges seems like a lot or a little, but I wouldn't be surprised because it does feel like there is a bloat of colleges in every state and every area, and there's just too many. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Too many and carrying like too much staff. I mean, how many like yeah. administrators and people who aren't have nothing to do with actual education? And look at how much money they make. You could condense it honestly because that's not. It's not that there's too much staff. It's that there's not enough staff. Like you can't fill a lot of these jobs. So why not condense everything down into a system? Like you go to an element, like not even in a college level. You go to a high school. And oh yeah, that's a that's a that's, entirely different color. Yeah, there's Those, just nobody not, at the high school is getting paid like these like different no. college administrative positions are getting paid. Well, a lot of college stuff, and I see this in a lot of colleges like locally too. The teachers they hire are not they don't hire real teachers. They have to bring in like adjunct professors because a lot of these colleges can't afford they to don't have hire. To, they want to. Well, they want well. well yeah. That's the other question. They can't afford to hire it, but the dean's getting paid like well, well, well into six figures. Long time oh. they can't afford it because they can. Well, yeah, they those, choose not to. Hmm. Because they want to pay, you know, as low as they possibly can to anybody who they deem not at the head of the totem pole. I mean, uh, before I got hired full-time at the place I am now, you know, I was a temp at a different college around here. And uh-huh. everyone I talked to was like, yeah, you're doing really great at this job. It's great. You love having you here. I'm like, great. Hire me. That's, you know a, mean? that's, like, <laughs> a, that's a different thing, though, because like, without getting like too far into like where you worked, yeah. Um, some colleges that have smaller, smaller endowments and a little more community-based... Yeah don't have the money the way sure. that people do. But, like, if you're somebody who works at a place like University of Albany, and they're like, oh, I'm sorry, we don't have any money to pay you, you're a liar. <laughs> right? Like you're lying. Yeah. You tell me you don't have the money. You've got the money. I think you're lying. You know what I mean? Like, you've got the money to pay the teachers, but you don't want to mm. because nobody's ever forced you to because the unions have been gutted. Um, before we get to this week's interview, uh, we'll go on something just a little bit lighter. Uh, Kev, you got a new car, new to you this week. Uh, how's your new car experience been, new, new Jeep? It's I pretty suppose. sick. It's pretty sick. Um, it's nice, it's big, it's up, it's high off the road. Feels very much like a truck, which is good. Yeah. Uh, kind of, it's nice on the inside, but also, like, utilitarian, which sure. I kind of like, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it's real, like, it feels very, very Jeepy. It doesn't look like an Ed, Her- Ed Hardy shirt on wheels, you mean? It doesn't have, like, all sorts of... Flashbangs and like stuff all over. No, I mean not yet. You never know. I might get some some cool fire decals and oh, dragon stuff. What's the what's the weirdest? <laughs> You're. I used to like people used to laugh like you get like a van and paint it right. That was the joke about back. Like, sure. Now I feel like it's like you just have a million stickers on your car. Like have a thousand different like stickers and bumper stickers. I see that all the time around here. You know, like nine million bumper stickers. People like you know, but you know, what bugs me about bumper stickers. I don't, I don't mind if people like if you got burnt, like if that's your thing, do it. Like I've had stickers on cars yeah. before, decals or whatever. I like decals as an alternate to stickers, but um, sure. 
you know, all that is fine and good, but if you're going to put it on, just take take the extra five seconds and make sure that it's lined up even. Oh, oh, I see. Like when people I got see. bumper stickers on the back of the car and it looks like they covered their eyes and just slapped it on like it was a pinata. It's like, come on, just line, um, make it straight. The only make thing, an attempt to make it straight. Sometimes I like to go to like my campus whenever I'm at colleges or I have a car. I like to get the thing that you put in your back window, like the block lettering that says like Utica College or Hunter College. I don't know why I like that one in the inside of the window. That's usually good. Mm-hmm. And you remember when I was the last car I had? I had that Oldsmobile Cutlass Sierra, and I just oh, put yeah. that Apple sticker next to it, mm-hmm. like the Apple logo, <laughs> to try and convince people it was like a fancy car. Is that what that was no, for? It was supposed to be a joke, right? Like, oh, this obvious piece of junk, like, Apple Cutlass Sierra. I think that was back in the day when people used to use those stickers to signify, like, hey, I have an iPhone now. I'm not on that MV2 anymore. Look at the sticker they gave me. Well, no, that's... Now that's Air, AirPods. Yeah, if <laughs> not AirPods. Yeah. No, no, we're old. We don't care, but, like... <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm I probably about due for a new phone at this point in time. It feels like it's been a while. Um, might be the year. Might be the time that I jump off. You're never jumping. I don't know. I like that Google Pixel you got jumping. there. You should. It slaps, nice. but you're not jumping. I got to see what the... I got to see how easy it is to make the jump now. Like, I have a lot of stuff invested with, like, all my iTunes and all my other stuff. It's all interconnected and the Apple program. I don't know. I don't know how hard it is to keep my number, my contacts, and all my other stuff. The number, all your number and contacts are all fine. That's all yeah. just backed up. They just transfer that stuff. Yeah. Is that the, like, I don't know. It just has, it's been a long time since I've not had an Apple phone. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I would lose in the conversion. That's sort of been my... Yeah, you wouldn't lose anything. You'd yeah. just, it would take you a minute to learn the different ecosystem. Oh, yeah, sure. But then once you, you know, once you did, you did. So you have, like, the first week or two, you have those frustrating moments. You're like, wait, how do I... Something simple, like, how do I go back? Or, like, how do I get, like, <laughs> yeah. to that app or whatever? Because it's not just, like, flat tile screens like iPhones are. But, you, well, I mean, you're not well, let me ask, dumb. Let me ask you this. When you use an iPhone now, if, like, you touch somebody's... You, you can use an iPhone just fine. Now it doesn't... It takes me a minute. Yeah, is it that I'm much like, different? There'll, there'll just be times, it's, like I said, it's simple stuff. Like, wait, how do I go back? Yeah. Or like home, or you know what I mean? Like, what is this button for? I never know what the buttons are for on iPhones. Like, you got that well, circle button on the front of your phone. That's gone now. New iPhones don't have that anymore. Yeah, I don't, I yeah. like when I, if I pick up somebody's phone and they got the circle, I don't, what's, uh, that's like the open it's key. It's the home open, this is also what you put your finger on if you want to use the fingerprint. Uh, oh, never. Or, right, never. so like, uh, like basically you just lay your finger on it. And uh, it's unlocked. I got uh, mine. Mine is on the back of my phone if I choose to use it. I see. But I've got Do no you... interest in giving Google my fingerprints. What about the face? Uh, no, the face. Who's breaking into my phone? <laughs> no, like, what kind of the people that do this? I'll, let me tell you what. If you know somebody who's obsessed with fingerprinting <laughs> and the face checking their phone, they're either up to some something shady on the phone. They got something they shouldn't have on there, or they're just cheating. Yeah, something like that is going on. Or they're a thief. Nobody needs Filthy it. Like they gotta scan my eyeball so I can get in and look at Twitter. Like never, never can't relate. Uh, let's go to uh, this week's interview uh, with uh, Janet Lauren Hill and Michael Hicks, uh, our Munson Williams Proctor Arts Institute artists in residence for 2019, alongside with returning guest Audrey Hassan Taylor. Had a great time talking with them uh, about art, about their uh, residencies all over the world, about the time they spent in Berlin, Beijing, all over the world. Great times talking to them. Let's get to the interview. We'll be back. Uh, Kevin, we will catch you next week. Yeah. And uh, Yeah, I'm gone. I'm out of here. Bye. Easy week for you. This is nice. Yeah, I'm easy week here. Not anywhere else. Okay. We'll be back to the show. Just a moment.
Audrey, I have you. I know you don't want to talk as much as the rest of our crew. Yeah, yeah, but I'm, I'm fine. I can talk. It's nice to have you back. Uh, I'm going to screw your middle name up. Is it Hassan? Hazen. Hazen. Audrey, uh, Audrey Hazen Taylor is here from Munson Williams Proctor Arts Institute. What is your official job title again for the folks who are uh, out here listening? I am the Community uh, Arts Education and Residency Director at the School of Art. At Munson Williams. Huge title. We love words. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> and uh, I did my research before uh, before you came in here, and I went mm-hmm. looking back. Mm-hmm. You were on the show last on September 18th, 2017, mm-hmm. which is episode 118. Now we're on wow. episode 219, so we're about 101 episodes on since then. Mm-hmm. It does make me wonder, though, did we miss a year? Did you not come in last year? Yes. Did we have different residents that we, we missed? We did. We missed them all together. Huh. I'm sorry. No, it's funny. So I'm, <laughs> oh, no, I'm, I'm happy that you guys are here. I, just, yeah. I, I had to think about it because I was like, wow, it feels like it's been a really long time since yeah. you've been on the show. But I'm glad that you're back. I'm happy to have you guys yes, here. Yes, I'm glad you had us. And, uh, and joining us this uh, this year, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. is Janet Lauren Hill and Michael Hicks. Uh, you like Michael or Mike? You don't care? Uh, I don't care, no. Uh, I'll professionally call him Michael until I accidentally call him Mike. Uh, I want to thank you guys for taking some time. Is this the first podcast you guys have ever been on? Yes. Yes. I think, yeah. Pretty I think common so. with this show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is like everyone's like, uh, like virgin podcast moment, I think. Um, so I'm going to start uh, with you guys. And, uh, and Audrey, before, I know you don't want to be involved in a lot of this, but no, I, have a, I, have a, I have a broad question for you, sure. uh, and you guys can hit me with it and explain it like I'm five. What does success look like for an artist in today's, like, in today's economy, in today's world? I'm very oh curious. Gosh. It's a tough question. That's a huge question. Yeah. It really depends, and you're probably not going to be super happy with my answer, are not happy. It might not be that interesting, but it really depends on the individual yeah. artist. What they're looking for. Yeah. What they're looking for. And, of course, your version of success changes over time. Mm-hmm. For some, um, for me, I have an art background. I went to, you know, I have multiple sculpture degrees, mm-hmm. and I loved working in the city and making stuff, but I consider myself, even though I don't have a super active practice right now, mm-hmm. I consider my art education successful, I have a job, I'm able to make stuff when I want to, yeah, yeah. you know, it, things like that. Control your own, your own autonomy over what you want to do. That's yes, great. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. in the zone of what I like to do. Whereas other people, it's showing, it's being able to go to travel to residencies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I did residencies for a while and I loved being able to use my art making as an excuse to go see new places, <laughs> yeah, for, which right. I found like, how could that get any better than that? Uh, Janet, do you guys want to jump in on any of this? Do you have any thoughts about what do you think makes you successful? What does success look like for you as an artist? I think I personally can get sort of hung up on what that is, in yeah. a, just because I'm a future-oriented person, so sure. I'm frequently thinking about what do, what do I do next to yeah. set myself up for success. <laughs> but I feel successful when I talk to someone at a show, and I've just reach them yeah. with my work. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's why I do what I do. That's why I spend hours alone in the studio. <laughs> it's a great point. And I, I do the you know, podcast, we do this every week, and I sometimes wonder to myself, like, am I just, like, yelling into the ether? Like, yeah. am I just screaming into the void all the time? Like, who's listening to this? And it is those weird moments where people reach out to you on a personal level that I'm like, oh, okay. So maybe I'm not just yeah. doing this for nobody. <laughs> maybe it's not just for me. Yeah. Uh, Michael, how about you? Your your thoughts on what does success look like for you as an artist? 
Yeah, I think like it, it can be like a big moving target, and I feel like a lot of people mm. try to put their notion of success onto you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, particularly like in our society, like a lot of it is based on kind of like money and like how much money yeah. you're making. And I, oh, I try to, that. yeah, <laughs> I try to kind of like de sort of decouple that from how I. F- from my idea of like being a success or not for me, it's just like, do I have the time and space to make the kind of work that I want to make? Yeah. Um, And sometimes I don't and I feel like a failure. (laughs) It's like, what am I doing? Uh, And then sometimes it's like, okay, like I'm able to uh, support myself and also Mm. find the time to uh to make my work and it's the kind of work that i want to put out there um and and then it feels good yeah. it's funny the, the only comparison i can think of growing up was i played in like punk bands you mm. know what i mean mm. and that's another one where it's like we're doing this for ourselves but to a certain extent like kind of have to be doing this for other people like how much of a balance is it is it one for us one for them is that how we're doing this we're gonna play a show with all cover songs for money and then just a show in a basement for 20 people that we really want to play like it's <laughs> How do you balance that level? And I guess let's get to a broader question. A broad question that I hear all the time about various forms of media. What is art? And what I mean about that is like, okay, so just I'll give you a good example. I is the is an Avengers movie art? No. Is a movie art? <laughs> can, can a movie be art though? Like, yes, wh- sure. So how? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Art, yeah. It's like a tough question. Like I think about this with video games. That's the one that people tend to have the big debate on, like Reddit and the internet mm. about our video games art. It is mm. creating something, I guess. But there's some people there with art degrees working on exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> somebody has art degree, right? That's, so, so like, I guess it's really a personal question. Like, can anything be art? I guess. Like, is a podcast art? This is certainly not art. (laughs) I would say the way that I go back to it, it's, again, an individual thing, right? Everyone's going to determine what's art for them. Mm. But um, I do think that art asks questions versus Mm. entertainment is meant to make you feel something. Not Mm. always good, right? You have movies Mm. that are meant to make you cry. But art asks you questions and usually makes you feel uncomfortable interesting and say and those questions are based on the artist's individual thoughts about what is important right and we're gonna i don't think an artist dictates what questions they're asking in their Mm. work i think that um frequently there are questions that are being asked that they aren't even aware of Mm -hmm. um it is very much a dialogue between the artist and the viewer but i think at a certain point the viewer kind of takes over what is happening for them between an object and themselves. You know, we talked about this last week on the on the podcast, and I don't mean to get political at all, but we were talking about Colin Kaepernick. And, uh-huh. you know, Colin Kaepernick, kneeled, two years ago, he kneels down for, you know, ostensibly for police brutality and mm-hmm. the things he's protesting. But within, like, six months, the narrative of what he actually did was taken out of his hands. Yeah. The, the general public, the media, the, the, mm. the politics, like, whatever, all of that took this story that was like, I want to protest something that I care about. Mm-hmm. and pulled that narrative away from him, and suddenly he no longer has control of the narrative of the story. It becomes much larger than him. And I wonder if there's any concern about that, too, with like art stuff, like feeling like the narrative is taken away from you at some point in time, the more people are enjoying it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like um, that's like, it can be really exciting, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
when you put something out there and you don't know how people are going to perceive it. and that's just yeah. part of something that you or at least I like accept and that like I don't know how someone's going to receive this they could think of it in a way that I never mm-hmm. thought of they mm-hmm. could think of it in a way that like really upsets me um (laughs) you know especially when you're when it does involve um any kind of like publication or media entity um you know i think in like in that specific case you're talking about like there are people that have like their own agendas who want to take this out of context yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. and i think like um and people take that to people people also take that with how they interpret art as well um and that's something that like is like okay like i have to just be like get comfortable with 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 that and to the question of like what is art i feel like so much of uh the the conversation you have with yourself is just deciding to call yourself an artist like there's so many people yeah there's a lot of people that like i know who are they're like, oh, I'm a photographer, but like, I'm not an artist. And it's like, what do you? What does that mean? <laughs> well, it's, it's like, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have you save that actually because I have a question for you later on about uh, about yeah. photography between okay. artists and professional photographers and where the line is drawn. Yeah. Um, but I guess uh, before we get into that, I want to Audra, I want to pull you back in one last time. Sure. So for our listeners out there who are not familiar with the artist in residency program or what's going on, can you just give a quick overview about uh, what Janet and Michael will be doing while they're here? Uh, they are going to be doing a lot. We keep them very busy. Uh, artists, uh, residency programs, um, have are, are more generally a retreat style where artists go, they make work sure. and that is all that is asked of them. We asked our artists and residents here for a full academic year and they live on the Munson Williams campus. Mm-hmm. And then we asked them to make work and have an exhibition in the spring, but we also ask them to teach college, Pratt MWP college classes. Mm. They teach classes, offer classes to the community. So anyone, any adults can take a class with Michael Mm. or Janet, painting Mm. with Janet, photography with Michael. Um, They also design free public programming through the museum Mm. for kids and families. So it's an education-based residency program. Mm. So it's for artists who want to both develop their studio practice and also develop their education muscles. Mm, sure. And we sort of give them all the... All, so I tell them we don't leave them alone. They don't come here and, and relax and do it again. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's been going on for a few years now, and it's it just keeps getting better every year. So. Uh, Audrey, you're off the hook until basically the end. You've got nice work here. It's good. Okay. Uh, Jana, Jana, let's start with you. Are you stressed out already that I'm going to start with you right now? No. All right, good. Uh, I'm going to start off with a dumb question that I'm very curious about. You are initially from Boston, Massachusetts? No. I was say, you didn't pick up an accent from you. No, <laughs> no. And it's interesting. People from Boston don't really have accents. It's like the outer Boston mm. that they have the accent. Well, I feel like that's something that's destroyed by television and movies. Yeah. Like it's like every accent's like this in my car. It's like that's not real. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that. I don't know. I've been there. I've heard it. Or it's people. like car mechanics and grocers. That's yeah. what I found. Uh, where are you initially born then? Where are you born uh, born? Walla Walla, Washington. Washington Walla State. Walla, Washington. Yes, we're known for onions, sweet onions, <laughs> and the best sweet onions. And <laughs> 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 grapes. Uh, um. 
We have a festival where you eat a caramel dunked onion. Oh, yeah. You know what's weird? This is gonna sound really stupid. The first time I ever heard of Walla Walla Washington was in an old Looney Tunes cartoon oh, where Bugs Bunny is goes to Dracula's castle and he's using all these like abracadabra magic words and then Walla Walla Washington was one of them. I was like, that's not is that a thing? Is that a thing? <laughs> I know it's such a treat that we get to say Walla Walla Washington <laughs> while you're here for a year. We're welcome. Um, so you, how long were you in Washington? Um, I was there until I went to college. Oh, so you stayed there all the way through college. Yeah, I was born in Seattle, but mm. we moved there when I was five, so it's pretty much all I did know. Did you, uh, you have family, brothers, sisters? I have one older sister who is an illustrator. Oh, interesting. Yes. A little family of artists. Yeah, so. yeah. Are you still close to your sister? Yes, yeah, very much so. Good. Your yeah. parents still out there in Washington? They are, yes. My uh, dad moved out there, started a wine, um, a vineyard, mm. planted oh. his own vineyard, um, he was an antique dealer beforehand. It's very hip. Wine, wine, <laughs> winery and an antique shop. He's yeah, he was kind spots. of an original hipster, but before that was a thing. <laughs> before it was a common colloquialism. Yeah, yeah, yeah Now yeah. they're hardcore conservatives, but they used really? to, yeah, my mom used to write shit. war songs on her guitar, and hmm. I don't know where that went. Uh, <laughs> um, are you still... How, how close are you with family? Are you still talk to your parents every week, every day, kind of thing? Not or? every week, but I do talk to them. Yeah. Yeah. My mom gets mad if I don't call every, every like, three or four days. She'll call oh, me and leave lovely. me a message. She'll be like, you didn't call me. I'll be like, well, I have nothing to say. Nothing's changed since you talked to me last time. Um, during your time in school, were you interested in art as a, as a student when you were going through your middle school, high school career? Yeah, yeah. I always did art. Uh, I was that kind of, like, nerdy art kid. Mm. But... I thought that I might go to college for something like psychology or philosophy. Interesting. Um, which is now kind of in there anyways in the work. Um, but yeah. Yeah, always been there. So you received your BFA from the University of Washington. Mm-hmm. What was that for? Painting and drawing. Painting and drawing. And then, and then you went to Massachusetts College of Art and Design? Yes. And that was the first time you'd gone out to Massachusetts? Yes. What did you, how was that transition for you to go from one coast to the other? Uh, it was pretty wild. Uh, we did... I got married, like, um, a week before we drove out. It's a tough, it's a tough <laughs> go right there. It's asking a Life change. Yeah, <laughs> we survived that one, so. <laughs> but we loved the, the trip, the road trip in the truck. We saw the whole landscape. It's pretty unique to see the country. And Oh, yeah. You drove? Oh, yeah. Long. It's a fun drive, though, probably. I want to do it again. Really badly. <laughs> I, I feel like I'd have to really hike myself up now at this point. Was a cat jump? Shut up, Charlie. <laughs> uh, come here. No, the cat's back in the studio. He comes in all the time. He's a door uh, slammer. He, he can't help himself. Um, no, it's it's crazy, though, because I, I always think, like, I've actually never gone out to the West Coast. Like, I got oh, as far as, like, Minneapolis. You should come visit. Well, I'm saying, did, you, did you really know? Is there, like, a change in attitude? Is it a lifestyle? Is. Is it, yeah. Yeah. So like get more edgy in New York or in the East Coast? Um, people are more cynical, I feel That's like. what people say. I know I was warned a lot before I came out here that, oh, people are going to be really fast-paced and, you know, <laughs> no nonsense. But I have, I actually feel really at home in the East Coast. I think yeah. there's something about, there's not as much of an upfront friendliness. You have to earn the yeah. friendly. <laughs> yeah. But then once you're in, loyal friends for life. It's funny, when I was in New York, I, uh, when I was living in, I say New York, New York City, which is, you could just say New York, I suppose, it doesn't matter, we live here. <laughs> I, I think that that was a tough adjustment for me, coming upstate and sort of a suburban community, and it's not like a conservative necessarily community here, it's pretty mixed, but mm-hmm. to go downstate where people are 
there's like 8 million people in that city and no one wants to talk to each other. It's yeah. a very strange, like the whole city's entire MO is get out of my way. You're in my way, you gotta get somewhere faster, you're going too slow, you're not going fast. Like, it's, Unless they're lost. People. It's too many people. People want to help you. can't you talk to them all. And you, there too. Well, you know what it is, I think, too? I think what happens is um, you get so caught up thinking that everyone is trying to scam you. Like anyone who stops you wants money, they want you to sign something, they want you to, I mean like it's like I'm just protecting myself. I don't want anything to do with anybody. It is true. When I first moved back to Utica when I moved to Utica, yeah. someone approached me at the gas station and I was like <laughs> no, yeah, nothing, nothing to do with it. But it was like a totally normal interaction. I was like, oh my gosh, I need to need to break that down. Well, yeah, when I moved to um, up for college from Walla Walla to Seattle, that was the biggest transition because I was yeah, coming yeah. from a 30,000 people right. uh, oh, town to a 30,000 people school. Huh. Um, and I had to train myself to not smile on buses. So I used to just kind of sit with a like big sure. open grin on the bus and <laughs> asking for it. Yeah. Oh yeah, everybody <laughs> wanted to tell me their life story. Oh, oh yeah, and people love me in. <laughs> yeah. um, so I want to get a little bit into some of the stuff that you've done art wise. Yeah. I went to your website, um, and again, I'm only know so much. My entire background <laughs> in art is that I took a art appreciation course in college to impress the girl I was dating who cool. said she was a painter. I don't know if she's a painter. <laughs> uh, so Wait, I'm, you never I, saw her work after you took that class? I have some of her work downstairs. I'll show it okay, to you later right, on. Right, right. But, but I'm saying like, I don't think she does that now. I think that's gone. Like, so the idea that I was like, oh, she's going to be a painter. I think she works like she's like, got a bureaucratic job or something. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> like, I, no. um, so uh, this is directly from your website. Uh, through installation, hybrid object paintings, videos, and uh, tableaus. I think I said that right. Uh, Janet Lauren Hill uh, magnifies her fantasies, experience uh, of censorship, and feminist observations through historical objects meant to constrain, uh, portray, and the domestic sphere. I screwed that up. Uh, her work oscillates between the personal and political, and the political as personal. Did you write that yourself? I did write that myself. So what uh, we talked a little bit about it earlier. Is there like a message that you're trying to get across generally, or is it just whatever's speaking to you at the time of working on a project, per se? Um, yeah, I don't think I... I think I haven't been asked that question even internally, but if I were to try to make an overarching message, it would be just to tell other people that their internal dialogue is valid. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's a very modern uh, problem, too, uh-huh. is the idea of valid opinions from everybody. Yeah, <laughs> or their observations are valid, yeah. too. Interesting. Yeah. Um, now... It's kind of hard, I suppose, because I think when people, like non-art people say, oh, you're an artist, I think they assume, oh, you're a painter, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. the that's the standard thing. What would you call your style? Like, installation style work? Like, uh, is there a signature style you like to use? I don't yeah, know. What the, yeah, for the longest time, I kept calling myself a painter, even though I made a lot of objects and installations. And recently, more and more people describe me as a sculptor to me. A sculptor? Interesting. <laughs> I like that one. Um, yeah, I just got a sculpture grant, so I'm hmm. kind of like sounds figuring, like, figuring that like out. <laughs> I know, the sculptor tells. I love <laughs> that the sculptors really welcome me into their community. It's pretty awesome. What's the... Paintings are just flat sculptures. Who's the famous... <laughs> that's actually... That was a good... I'm such a... Like, I'm such a... Like, uh, I'm such a standard human being when it comes to that stuff. Like, I went to... I think I went to the... I forget if it was the Met or the Guggenheim, wherever I was in New York. Mm-hmm. I went to, like, the sculpture garden. I was just like, they made this out of granite! It's amazing! <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I just couldn't understand the concept. Like, um, I gotta ask... I, I go back to my, my 
growing up, my, my girlfriend at the time who got me into art, she always talked about, I think he's, I don't remember his first name. Was it Degas? He's the famous the famous painter. Edgar. I can't, mm-hmm. Edgar, yeah. She always, like, said that was sort of her main initial inspiration that mm. drew her to art. Like, she found this painting or saw it somewhere and liked it. Did you have an initial moment or inspiration growing up where you're like, you know what, I'm kind of interested in in doing something like this? Was there a person? Was there a thing? Yeah. Yeah, my dad's a painter. Mm. He's also a sculptor now, so <laughs> maybe, maybe it's just a trajectory <laughs> that I'm, like, <laughs> born to follow. Um... He used to, uh, he was an oil painter when I was really young, uh, so I have this really toxic, uh, literally toxic um, love for the smell of oil paint, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and like the really bad term yeah. that I probably will develop cancer later in life, but... Um... I mean, I've, I've had that discussion before, so I'm sure this sit next to the computer all day with all the waves yeah. and stuff coming out, it's not great either. Yeah. Um... It's okay, we all gotta go somehow, yeah, but sure. um, he used to do this thing when I was really little where he would hide symbols in his paintings and then have me come over and find them. Hmm. Um, That's pretty interesting. And that was just pure magic to me. Um, So I think I'm still doing that. But for me now, it's uh, maybe some of that messaging that you're talking about. Something that's going to connect with someone. I like this idea that it's all there for you to read. You just have to look at it longer. Mm-hmm. And do you have a, this is, this is a harder question, I suppose. Is there like a current artist whose work you really enjoy looking at or enjoy viewing? Oh. It's a tough one. I feel like I look at artists in clusters. I try not to look at a single artist. Sure. Um, and I actually get a lot from cinematographers. Mm. Um, I think they're doing something really good cinematographers can do something with yeah. color, light, and space that reaches into mm. people's souls. Yeah. Um, so, oh, I watched Moonlight. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, um, oh, God, Barry. I can't yes. Get, yeah, God, why am I going to forget his name? Barry something. Jenkins. Barry Jenkins. Yes. There it is. Yeah, I think that's it. I got to, yeah. It's funny. I had a lot of my friends in New York when I was down there were uh, video editors. They used to do, like, freelance video editing for, like, Discovery Channel, Bravo. Shout mm-hmm. out to my buddy Adam. Just sitting down and sort of watching him do video editing gave me, like, a complete, total, like, different understanding. I watch movies and TV shows, and I'm like, what a great pan on that camera. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, God, oh, they got the tripod. So smooth. <laughs> so smooth. So uh, yeah, uh, there's, like, that hallway scene where the window flickers. Yeah. I always go back to, uh, we were talking about uh, one shots. Like, that's, like, one of our favorite things to talk about. It's, like, yeah. it's overused and everything now, the tracking shot. But I remember as a it's kid, like, like, watching Goodfellas <laughs> and, like, seeing that first tracking scene. I'm like, this is amazing. How do they do this? This course yeah. is a genius. Uh, uh, so this is, I might have done the, the math wrong here, Janet. Uh, this is your third or fourth residency, if you count your... Vermont one twice, I think. I went oh, looking yeah. through your stuff. Yeah, I kept going back to that one. Do you feel I'll like... I'll go back again, Vermont. What, yeah, like Vermont. <laughs> Call me. Uh, what do you feel like... Can you talk a little bit about the experience? Like, do you feel like you take something from every residency? Do you feel oh, like they're yeah. all different or... Yes, you can't not. Um, I think... I don't know if it's... Well, sometimes it's place. Like, the residency in Beijing, that definitely... Mm. That place will... That's right. Beijing, Boston, Vermont were the three I found on there. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. That I... must have been a big changeover as well. Oh my one. gosh. I'm still processing it. <laughs> I also know that I probably won't ever go back just because the political... Yeah, the culture over there is very different. Now. Yeah, and it's going through some really, really radical change. 
I mean, um, it's in the news, all of his Hong Kong stuff going on, too, all these protests. It's pretty wild. Yeah, it's really scary. Um, so I have concerns for the people I met over there. I don't mean but... to be morbid, but I do feel like we're... Are we at end times? I think every generation... <laughs> I know! It feels like we're at end times. grasshoppers really freaked me out. <laughs> Ugh. Yes. Yeah, just... yeah, so play some people. Stick with me. Yeah. I just watched that Black Mirror where they had the robot drone bees instead of the real bees, and it's I'm horrifying. We <laughs> <laughs> uh, need some bees. Uh, that's a good one. That's, that's, the, that's uh, I think it's called the National Anthem. Okay. That's a good one. Um, uh, one more question before I give you a little break here. Uh, yeah. I just got to ask. You guys been do you're doing some teaching while yeah. you're here? Uh, I am a... The easiest way to describe it is I'm a high school teacher. So I'm very curious. <laughs> uh, what, what's your experience been with teaching in the past? Like, do you, do you enjoy it? Do you find anything that find, you find frustrating about it? I'm very curious. Oh. Um, <laughs> I love it because I think you're when you're teaching, you're around this sort of energy that the students have where everything yeah. is right about to open mm-hmm. up for them. And I think it keeps you as an artist on your toes in your own practice, not getting locked into routines or even sometimes I've seen more mature artists create a whole ideology around mm. their work, which yeah. I'm really skeptical of. Sure. Um, so I think teaching helps me to just like stay rooted in yeah. what matters. Mm. Um, Fair. Frustrations. Just on their cell phones all the time? Yeah. <laughs> cell phones. Uh, I think I get, I get really attached to the students. Yeah. So, and I can it's see. It's impossible not to actually. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I, get frustrated when I can see a student that's that's um, self-destructing. Yeah. That's the hardest thing. I mean, I see that in it, the high school level. It's all, everything's sure. such a, mm-hmm. it's so dramatic all the time. Like, mm-hmm. and every yeah. problem is a last minute problem and a like 100,000% problem. And yeah. it, it, that takes time. And you don't take, you don't lose it when you go home. Like, I have a kid I today <laughs> that I was stressed out about because he screwed something up. And yeah. I'm still, like, it's yeah. in the back of my mind today. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, Janet, you can take a break now. You Woo! Did. That's good work. <laughs> did you take a picture of that Twin Peaks mug, by the way? Yeah. Good, good for you. Another good cinematographer. Uh, I mean, yeah. that's one of my all-time Sheriff favorites. Sheriff Department, wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Hicks. Yes. All right, so my research, my research was wrong on Janet. I thought she was from Boston. It's all She's good. from Washington. Let's see how my research is for you. Are you born and raised in Syracuse? No. Well, oh, it's no, honestly... Oh, for two, guys. <laughs> the, the, so, the source is probably my website, yeah. which is, yeah. is, is wrong. Where are you in um, New Jersey. Yeah, Jersey. New Jersey. Yeah, New Jersey. Middletown. Middletown, um, New Jersey. So, Monmouth County. Is which it near is, Linden? It's further south. Further south. So than it's on the coast. Okay. Basically on Monmouth County, which is about the center. What? But it was on the. Isn't something coast. going on right now in Jersey? Isn't there some like lead issue yeah. with it? I just read water. Like, I thought yeah. Yeah, it was Newark. It was Newark. Yeah, Newark. Yeah, yeah. 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 I feel like that would be a bigger issue. <laughs> like, you feel like more people would care about this. But uh, I feel like maybe that goes into the what you were talking about end times. Like, there's so many horrible <laughs> things happening. It's like you're just yeah, trying, yeah. Who knows? We're trying to put fires out. All them all the time. Time. <laughs> it's all like, fine. The Amazon's uh, burning. People can't drink water. Uh, yeah. Anyway. I, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let me ask you this question then. And uh, Trump's the chosen one. Yeah, he, uh, he's the. Cho- you know. Uh, people, people on this podcast know how I feel about uh, like a progressive liberal. It's it's pretty obvious, yeah. right? Uh, I, I've said it a million times before. What drives me the most nuts about Trump is simply the fact that one, he's in he's like inserted himself into my childhood in a way that I couldn't prepare oh my myself God. for now. Right? right? I go yeah. back. I told a story last week. I like professional wrestling. 
I went back to watch <laughs> an old WrestleMania. It was WrestleMania 4. It's on the WWE Network if you folks have it. And at, this is so surreal. I couldn't believe it. There's a sequence in it where Howard Finkel, who's the legendary wrestling announcer, comes out and he says, Ladies and gentlemen, to perform the WrestleMania rap song, here is Run DMC. I'm like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> so Run DMC is in the middle of the ring, and they're just like rapping, like, yeah, Macho Man, Bam Bam Bigelow, like just naming people, right? Right. And now, the other key to this is it's like oh, 1991, no. 1990. I it's know this video. In Trump Plaza. I know. And he's in the front row with yeah. his son, Don Jr., who's like seven, right? Who's got like the big Hulk Hogan foam <laughs> finger on the t-shirt. And it's so surreal to be like, I'm watching Run DMC rapping about wrestlers while Donald Trump is in the front row clapping offbeat. Just like, yes, amazing <laughs> stuff. I don't even know who these guys are, but they're great. Uh, yeah, it's so it's weird how much he's like in, uh, inserted himself into my life. I'm oh, sorry, I didn't mean to get... No, it's all good. Um, it would be crazy to think that like he goes back and retroactively does like all these memories now. Like yeah. Trump, he's so... Part like I feel like our brains are so broken. Oh, dude, yeah. that like He's in Home Alone too. <laughs> exactly. What are you doing in this movie? It's Why like oh, that's right. It's oh like it's he's a... like Roy Scheider and Jaws. All of a sudden, you're like, wait a minute, you weren't in that movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just if you're ever feeling down about like the whole state of the world, go to YouTube, type in Stone Cold Steve Austin, <laughs> Stone Donald Trump, and watch that for a couple of seconds. It's amazing. Uh, I want to okay. get back to the Jersey thing. For sure, a sure. Because uh, much like uh, when I thought uh, uh, Janet was gonna have a Boston accent. Uh, uh, I don't know if there is a New Jersey accent necessarily besides the one the Sopranos came up with. Um, that is the more, that's the most pronounced. The most pronounced. Uh, North Jersey accent. Sopranos one of my favorite shows ever. Do you have a take on it? You're oh, like, I mean, I was watching it the other night. It's kind of like my Bible. Like, it's you just sort of like on an idle Tuesday. I'll just like, oh, I'll just put an episode on, you know? It's become my, <laughs> over the years, it's kind of become my Parks and Rec in the office. I'm like, I don't know what else is on, so yeah. I'm just going to put yeah. the Sopranos on and check in with the lads because I love that. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. It's, it's amazing. Um, what, was like, what was it like growing up in Jersey? Um, well, first of all, I want to go back to the accent oh, thing. Yeah, so yeah. there is a South Jersey accent, South Jersey which accent. is, and Audrey's nodding because of John, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> we were talking about the water. Water. What did they say? Water. Yeah, it's, it's more Philly In, okay. inflected. That makes sense, so actually. It's got its own sort of, um, yeah, it has its own kind yeah, of, yeah. yeah. Interesting. But what was your other? Question? Well, say so what was uh, what was your experience growing? You have like brothers, sisters. Oh yeah, I have one sister. Grew up in the suburbs. Mm. Um, pretty close to the city, but didn't really go into the city except on like field trips going to the like the Museum of Natural History oh, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. So yeah, very kind of uh, I would say just like a a kind of standard suburban existence. I'm yeah. always curious about this when you get. Living in Jersey and living on the and having access to New York, are you going to New York like every weekend? Do you go to the city like all the time, yeah. or are you sort of staying in Jersey doing your own thing? No, definitely not because like even though it was so close, I wasn't. There was this whole other world that I wasn't aware of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my parents, my dad grew up in outside of Newark, and my mom grew up in the Bronx. But like as yeah. far as I was concerned. You know, they just weren't that type. We would go to the beach, go yeah. to the shore. Mm. Um, that was our, that was where we would go. It wasn't until I went to college that, like, mm. I got into going to New York. And where did you, uh, you went to Rutgers? Yeah, so uh, that was, like, really close. Oh, yeah, yeah Right yeah. off the train. It's a big school, though. It's a D1-style really school. Really big school. Did you feel a little, I'm always curious about this, because one of the things I've heard about Mons Williams Proctor Institute in 
uh, Brooklyn as opposed to the one in Utica yeah. is that you have much smaller classes and more access to teachers in Utica than you do in Brooklyn. Yeah. So I'm sort of curious, did you feel at Rutgers, at a school that big, did you feel like you were sort of lost in the shuffle at all? Yeah, I mean, I yeah. I did horrible in undergrad. Really? Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's political science. Yeah. yeah, and like I, because it was kind of, it was for, for, for people who grow up in New Jersey, like Rutgers is like 13th grade. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Unless you go so the Syracuse to the New York. <laughs> yeah, and it was, so yeah, it's a big state school, and I was gonna go there, and I didn't have enough information to really do any comparison shopping right. with like, oh, sure. small liberal arts school mm-hmm. versus like large research university. Like, like being eighteen, yeah. like, it's like my 80% mom. Of my yeah, like, all, I, all I do all day is like learn about colleges. But yeah, I'm sorry. my mother's <laughs> just like you're going to school. That's that was the final, that's, the final thing. Now that's fascinating. Was there a point where you were like, were you doing art in high school? Like, no, beforehand? no, I did sports, what was your sport uh, swimming, swimming. Nice. Yeah, I did some baseball, and uh, so like art and music was not something that was like I, that I thought was accessible yeah, yeah. or available to me. Um, so, but yeah, going to Rutgers, it's like you're in the back of the lecture hall and your professor is like this ant sized person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In the uh, and you're just like, this sucks. Like, I'm just not going to get anything out of this. So you do political science. What do you think? Yeah. What time for, are you thinking like getting into politics? Are you thinking teaching? Are you thinking... Um, I was thinking like, what is the... What's like the boilerplate liberal arts degree that I can yeah, get? Yeah, general studies, <laughs> liberal arts, yeah, yeah, yeah. Business, that's another thing I can So <laughs> I was like, and I had always been told, oh, if you study, you could study anything in college yeah. and do whatever you want to afterwards. Yeah. And I had never really had a direction in terms of what I wanted to do with my sure. life. So I did that. Let um, me ask you this, because there's yeah. a big gap, it seems like, here, yeah. between, like, 2004, you're going to Rutgers, and then you're yeah. at the Salt Institute for uh, Democracy, uh, sorry, uh, de- <laughs> I keep saying democracy, it's not a- <laughs> uh, documentary studies, uh, documentary photography, and multimedia, that's still, yeah. like, a nine-year gap. Yeah. What sort of changed in that period? Like, when did you start getting interested in, like, photography and installation stuff? Probably, like, 2009 or 10, mm. um, I was um kind of like bouncing around a lot and moving to di- so i moved to philly after undergrad and was doing the, like playing music for a while oh, nice. and then um i moved to dc and um i kind of just on a whim i had some friends that were into art i kind of decided to just like pick up a camera yeah. so i could explore my new surroundings, yeah, yeah and then just um, from there, I was kind of hooked. And know. then uh, within five years, you're at Syracuse University for MFA in art photography. Is this just you found something that you got like into your blood, and you felt like it time to double down and get ready for more? Yeah, I was just like I'd always bounce around to different jobs that like I hated, um, and just like I was just like I wanted to do something that I liked and didn't. And so I thought like going to grad school was like the making an honest go of that, yeah. of trying mm-hmm. to, okay, I'm going to try to do what I like to do. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where that came from. 
Let me hit you with a, a tougher question. Okay, I sort, of, I sure. sort of prepped you with this earlier. Uh, not too long ago, I had a couple friends of mine on the show. Shout out to Ken and Amy. Ken and Amy, uh, <laughs> Smith Imagery. Uh, Ken and Amy do like photography for weddings and for friends. They do it sort of as a professional gig. Setting yourself apart in like photography world seems kind of tough. And I, I don't mean, I'm not trying to down, like I cannot take pictures. I'm not good at it. But a lot of people think they are photographers, I guess is the easy way to say it. Like how... Mm-hmm. What sort of separates like photography as an art versus photography as a profession? Um, I mean, I think like you wouldn't go. Yeah. Would you be shooting a wedding? Do you know what I mean like it doesn't seem like something to be in your wheelhouse? Yeah. Your main I feel like I I would cons- I haven't. Right, right, right. Um, I I know people that do. I would consider it, mm-hmm. but it's the sort of thing where a lot of people keep it separate. And yeah, that's kind of what I mean, I suppose. Yeah, and this yeah. goes back to like this goes back to when, like, when kind of commercial and fashion photography yeah. started really exploding mm-hmm. in the kind of mid twentieth century. You would have a lot of people who would do their personal work, yeah. and then they would do whatever. Mm-hmm else they would do for money yeah yeah, for sure and a lot of times people would consider it separate um and and in a lot of cases you even some of these people who are like kind of lauded and lionized in some ways um weren't even doing making money on their personal work exactly so i think like the way we think about it is kind of different now and yeah everybody's got a camera and i'm like all for that um and so for me it's like i don't try like i i don't like to me it's like kind of a trap to think of like i have to figure out how right right right. it's like i try to trust the process and like do my thing and i hope that what i'm doing is like interesting enough that um, <laughs> you make a good point though everyone having a camera now do you have like are you on one side of this debate about like digital photography versus like analog film like i don't know how the better way to to do it like i know it makes more sense to have digital these days but like do you have that like party that likes the film still i mean i i, I appreciate the craft of it yeah. and i appreciate that the people that like to do it like the kind of physical aspects yeah. of of shooting film and working with film and making darkroom prints and you there is no substitute for that right, right, right. Uh, but for me like i can sort of create that deliberate yeah. experience for mm-hmm. myself uh shooting digital and i yeah. get some of the convenience well i think it changed it. too i always go back to the music thing like you know uh I would always prefer to use an analog amplifier from recording right something. same but now we're what, like 2019, 2020, and whatever it is, we're getting close enough. A lot of the tech these days, the difference is kind of minuscule. It's not like it was 20 years ago. There right. isn't like that major drop off between one to the other. Like I think the di- right. it really just probably speaks to how well and how affordable and how good digital capability has become in the last like 10 years. Right. Yeah. It's like super. It's it's matured so much. Um, but you know, like with recording, you might be like, oh, I, love, I love the kind of. Uh, I, I love the sound of recording on four track, yeah, for example. Yeah. And so you know you're yeah, going to get that kind of, yeah, <laughs> you know you're going to get that sort of, uh, yeah, you're going to get that yeah. aesthetic. And, um, you know, maybe it fits in with what you're trying to do kind of in, in your music or whatever. And the same thing works with, with photography. Remind me when we're done, I got a funny story about going to a studio okay. when I was younger. About, uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, so... 
this is where you correct me for something that's wrong. You currently no. have a collection up in Atlanta at the High Museum? Yeah, it's like part of the permanent mm. collection. I had, uh, I was in a show and uh, in Atlanta down at the Atlanta Photography Group. And um, then they, the High Museum bought, they bought nice. some of my work from that. Um, so, nice. yeah, yeah, thank you. It feels good. Um, doesn't happen every day. No. Just put it that way. So, <laughs> um, it's I, nice. It's nice. And before we get to lightning round questions, uh, I just got to ask, I, same question I sort of had for, for Janet earlier. Uh, was there like, any particular artist or moment or inspiration that sort of kicked off this whole thing? Was like any single moment or something along those lines? Um, for me, like meeting other, mm. when I was living in DC, meeting other photographers there, like I used to use, uh, Flickr, which Flickr. is yes. a now yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. defunct platform, <laughs> but back With in like, journal, yeah, and MySpace. back then it was, it was a great way to actually meet other people who were doing what you were doing, like where you were doing mm -hmm. it. And so... I kind of I went to like a meetup, yeah. a Flickr meetup, and all of these um, other nerds were there, and uh, they were um, shooting film and talking about photographers I had never heard of, and uh, that to me was really amazing. Yeah, yeah. so I got really into the kind of um, uh, documentary street photography, black and white mm. from like the early nice. mid twentieth century, and like I don't I don't work that way now but that kind of is what is that how you ended up the at the salt institute through the is that how you discovered that program because i wasn't familiar with that yeah program. i found it through yeah through friends who had mm -hmm. known people who had done it mm -hmm. uh and so it was like the one way to to do to get some formal instruction mm -hmm. without trying to like do a uh, a, a degree because I, I didn't think I was ready for it yet at the time. And one last question before we yeah. get lightning rounds. Uh, I see you have some tattoo work here. Yeah. Uh, are you just starting or are you just finishing? Um, God, I'm, I'm only <laughs> getting, I'm just question. getting started. Um, <laughs> so I got yeah, I've got mostly on my right arm here. So I'm gonna see where yeah where the next one's gonna go. Have, I'm, uh, I'm only getting started. I, we'll I had like a real definitive idea of what I wanted when I went in to get stuff done. I was like, one arm I'll do like relatively full, and then the other arm I'm just gonna have one little thing on okay. the side. And yeah. then, uh, yeah, it's Ferdinand the Bull. Uh, he's my favorite. Oh, uh, nice. uh, but the, the reason I say it is because there was definitely a period where I got the first one. I was like, I'm just gonna do this every week. I'm just gonna go out and get like, every week. Yeah, funny. it's uh, kind of great. Yeah, at first I was like, oh, everything, I need to have uh, a grand idea for nice. each one, and now I'm just like, Nah, and actually, I'm going to go down and pick something out of the book. I mean, so, I'm, gonna get, <laughs> I'm presumably going to get shit out of this. But, uh, I, it always drove me nuts. This happens in like wrestling and sports, and like you see this sometimes with like movie stars. All of a sudden, people will get a bunch of money, yeah. and then they suddenly just come up with like a full sleeve. Like, I know. Did you get that whole thing done in like seven hours? Somewhere? I know. It sort of defeats crazy. the purpose. Yeah. Uh, I kind of do it. feel like I do feel like you kind of <laughs> need to. Yeah. Uh, like not kind of do granted, it. Granted, like my tattoos look like a homeless person just slapped them all together, and there's no design to it. But that's kind of the point. That <laughs> is the point. I, I like uh, that, and and I feel like uh, I, I now my favorite question is like, oh, what does it mean? And I'm just like, you know, what doesn't mean anything. Oh, <laughs> all of my things, all of my stuff means something, but it's always less profound than people. Yeah, sure. They're like, what's this? And I'm like, Space Odyssey 2001, right. Jack Kirby, Stephen King, Dinosaur, Syracuse Orangeman. I got it all. I don't give a shit. Like, uh, okay. 
it's so a walking billboard. Yeah, it's That's fine. All. It's all fine. <laughs> uh, so let's uh, let's get into this week's lightning round questions. Uh, before we do, I just wanted to point out if you are curious to see uh, some of the work that Janet and Michael do, I'll just link. Uh, what's your Instagrams for everyone so they can take a look at stuff? It's my full name, Janet Lauren Hill. Lauren uh, spelled L O R E N. and Michael dot W dot Hicks. And I'll uh, I'll put the link. And we in. also we also have a Instagram account for the residents. Awesome. So yeah, yeah. great. Artist residency MWP. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm going to write that down afterwards so I can make sure I got it. Um, okay. And then I'll put the links for all your uh, direct sites and, uh, and things as well so folks can take a look. Um, I do have lightning round questions. Uh, Audrey, you've been here before, so uh, we're going to do... But I don't remember what I said. <laughs> That's all right. I, I got good questions for you. Okay. Uh, so, uh, Janet and Mike, I'm going to do um, the lightning round questions here with you guys. We're going to go serpentine fashion. And then after you guys answer, I'm going to jump over to Audrey. Okay. So we'll go in this. Cool. Mike, I'm going to start with you. All right. Uh, when you wake up in the morning, Michael Hicks, uh, how do you take your coffee? Uh, I take it uh, with uh, just a little bit of uh, cream, so either half and half or almond milk. No sugar. On. No sugar, generally. Mm-hmm. Jen, yeah. how about you? When you wake up in the morning, how do you take your coffee? I do the, the cold brew with the cold almond milk, brew. but oh. my own. I Not right now, because I've moved and I don't have my own. It's for <laughs> no, I, I'm actually. I, I do not. That sounds more pretentious. I, I don't. I'm like anti-milk. Like the only reason I ever have milk in my fridge is for coffee, and it's usually happening. Like I, yeah. my buddy, my buddy who runs me and you do good. Could drink like a gallon of milk in like ten seconds, and that just skeeves me out. Like I can't do it. Um, so weird. Uh, <laughs> Audrey, uh, if you could cast them, who would you like to play you in the movie? Of your life. Wow. Who would you like to play you in a movie of your life? Well, I don't know if this is the most creative answer, but I think Reese Witherspoon. I can see it. Tennessee. Oh, yeah. From Tennessee. Oh, <laughs> sure. We feel like we, we have some stuff That's fair. I can see it. Yeah. That's pretty. See, a lot of people don't she like that. She's got good dresses. She does always have. She always looking good. I haven't yeah. watched Big Little Elijah. I keep hearing Which is it's kind of fake. So good. <laughs> it's good. I don't it's have good. good dresses, but she does. You, yeah. you always look nice. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, Jen, we're back to you. What was your first? Automobile, your first automobile. Oh man, it was a '91 Honda yes. Ford, and I drove that thing until it died. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I had an '87 Honda Accord. It died very quickly. Usually, <laughs> 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 they last a long time. Yeah, I uh, they were supposed to be. Uh, you abused the Honda, I think. <laughs> I, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a Honda. I have an Accord currently. Uh, Michael, uh, what was your first automobile? It was a black 97 Volkswagen Jetta Whoa. Uh, yep. um, with like constant electrical problems, like the windows kept <laughs> getting stuck. My, my windows and, just stopped working like two days ago. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right for the winter. Driver, driver's window side works fine, but the other one's all fell. How long did you keep that one? Um, I had it for about, probably about five years. I just drove, I, I just like, I just mm. treated my cars like shit. Like yeah. never getting an oil <laughs> no. change. Like, yeah. Mysterious cigarette burns in the seats. Like, what's the, what's the, what's the one I always see? It's like, there's always this comedian you talk about. He's like, you know, the check engine like comes on. I can go out there and check that the engine is there. But then after that, I'm like, now what? I mean, I, I checked it. There it is. Michael, yeah. uh, you may or may not have taken your 97 Volkswagen Jetta to see it. But what was your first live music event? Oh, uh, yes. It was uh, Aerosmith oh, at the oh, PNC wow. Bank Art Center. Probably in 1997, around yeah. there. Yeah. Living on the edge, man. Still remember. I know. And I was like, this is great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jay, not, you... not an Aerosmith fan anymore. But, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, don't ha- I don't have like some 
hatred toward Aerosmith. <laughs> yeah, I but I do dislike some of the later era Aerosmith. Sure. Like, what was that? I think the song from Armageddon was like them jumping this shit. Like, Steve, wait. That's enough singing for me. The 91 Honda Accord, your first car, Janet. You may or may not have taken your Honda to see it. What was your first live music event? I think it was Isley, which I don't know if anyone knows that band. Isley? Yeah. E-I-S-L-E-Y? They're also from, like, Tennessee or huh. something. Sounds like it. But um, <laughs> it was in Seattle, which has a lot of great sort of um, underground music scenes. So. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. yeah. When you were growing up in Seattle, did yeah. people really care about, like, Pearl Jam or Nirvana or any of that shit? Or oh, that yes. All? Really? That's a real yes. thing people like. Yeah. I it's love Pearl Jam. It's not, like, Jam, a but... vocal thing. I mean, Seattle in general is not, they're not, like, a very vocal Sure. <laughs> They're a very internal crew. But um, yeah, yeah, Nirvana is just accepted as one of the greatest bands of all time. It's like if you go to New York City and you walk into a bar and you just say out loud, Billy Joel sucks. <laughs> you get beat up. Like, people will come get you. Like, who are you talking about Billy for? Shut up, it's ours. Yeah. Like, so I wonder if there's like that yeah. sort of. Like... Pearl Jam and Nirvana are like the Red Sox to Boston. Oh, God. Yeah, which was hard for me because um, <laughs> the Seahawks and. Right, and the what's the football one for Boston? Oh, the uh, the Patriots. Patriots. Yeah, and they have a the, rivalry. The unlikable Patriots. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Audrey, I'm back for two questions for you. Bro. Okay. <laughs> uh, number one, what's an embarrassing phase that you went through as a child or as a teenager growing up? <laughs> you have the hard question. Fashion sense. <laughs> um. uh, I first thing that came. Pick any time. <laughs> However, the first thing that comes into mind was my best friend, uh, elementary, middle school, came to my mother and my, my parents and asked them to make me stop wearing sweatpants and a t-shirt every day. That's my hair pulled back in a ponytail, like slicked back. I didn't have bangs. And so I was doing that like, no. <laughs> I was just doing that. I don't know what that was. That's I was just doing it now. every day. The only thing people wear now is sweatpants, mesh shorts, champion crewnecks, yeah. That's it. That's all the kids wear. I don't like so I was fashion forward. You're fashion forward, actually. T five years, thirty whatever. <laughs> and this is when the people sort of cringe at sometimes. What's your all time favorite fast food menu item? Mm. <laughs> uh, I'm pregnant, so I have currently <laughs> yeah. like I've gone back to this <laughs> recently. But the spicy chicken sandwich at Wendy's. Oh yeah. Oh, well, yeah. we don't have a Popeyes anymore, so we can't try this Popeyes no. chicken sandwich. That's Destroyed the internet over the last. <laughs> <laughs> they closed right before that. I mean, it was not the most efficient no, no, no. Popeyes. It was. No. It was not great. Um. All right. This is sort of a. This is the question I sort of talked to you guys about earlier. Mike, we'll start with you. Uh, mm. If you could have dinner with any person, living or dead, who is not your relative, who would it be, <laughs> and why? Um. Probably uh, David Berman. David Berman from yeah. Silver Juice? Yeah. Wow, he, he just died. Like, he just, yeah, yeah, he just man. passed away. That one gets me right in the and, pavement. Uh, <laughs> yes. Goggles yeah. That's good. And just, um, yeah, and he they just released a new album, and I was like, oh, this is great. And um, actually, I'd probably talk to him about his poetry, because I had a yeah, book yeah. of his poetry that was mm. really amazing, um, and he seemed like a really sensitive man. soul who would also be really fun to talk to. Man, I had, during my, my deep like hipster phases like I, I must have listened to like 9,000 oh. pavement albums over and that Silver Juice album was like a, like a mm. find that I was like oh my god this is unreal yeah. so good I was very sad when he passed away yeah um, for sure uh, 
Jan, how about you? You have a dinner with any person, living or dead, who is not your relative. Who would it be? I went an art route with this. So I picked Sheila Hicks. Sheila Hicks? Yeah, she's just a badass woman. She's still alive. She's like 86. I'm to look it up afterwards. Huh. Um, I'm really trying to meet her before she dies. <laughs> trying to get there. Yeah. But it's like the glimmer <laughs> is dimming. Um, but yeah, she makes just giant uh, fibers pieces and travels the world. And I just want to know how she does that. And I also know, knowing her age, she's gone through some serious shit. And yeah, yeah, yeah. she's come out at at the top. So I just want to know what she's thinking. Sheila Hicks, I have to look that up after you leave. Yeah. Uh, all right, here's one for all three of you guys. I'm going to start with Audrey. Uh, give me one book, album, movie, or television show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. One book, album, movie, or show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. Audrey. Oh, my goodness. Well, this is... What we're watching right now is Grand Designs on Netflix. Grand Designs. <laughs> Which is like this uh, British uh, show where they uh, an architect goes through and doubts these people's crazy, mm. expensive, and weird plans for building houses. And it usually <laughs> takes them a year or two. It's huh. very long. They put it in one show. But he visits them over a year or two. And it's fun to sit there and go, that's not going to work. Oh, they're not going to have enough money for that. No chance. But it's really great on Netflix. Anyway, but that is, it's like a nice decompressing um, show. I recommend it to anyone, especially if you like architecture or building stuff. Uh, Jay, what about your book, album, movie, or show? Um, I Book-wise, I finally read 1984. Oh, like the, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what's funny? I love... Brave New World. I must have read Brave mm-hmm. New World like a million times when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Never read 1984. I don't know. If, I don't know. It's not like a Beatles, Rolling Stones thing. We have to pick one or the other. But I feel like <laughs> I, I feel like 1984 became suddenly culturally relevant again yeah, two years I ago. I wonder why. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it is really good. It yeah. ends up, hmm. and it has a lot of hype. See, I did this. Yeah. I actually just bought Handmaid's Tale oh, because yeah. I want to watch that the show good. eventually. Mm-hmm. But like. Like it's, I got it so far back in my queue of books that by the time I get to it, the show will be long, long. It's a quick over. read though. Yeah. Once you yeah. pick it up, you can't put it down. Uh, Michael, how about you? Book, album, movie, or show you're currently reading? Listen, um, can let's do a podcast? Is that yeah, absolutely? I love it. Um, there's this like, um, like batshit crazy conspiracy theory podcast yes. about Jeffrey Epstein called True and On. Oh, that's hilarious and also that? really uh, kind of yeah, interesting. We'll probably miss good. it. On the podcast this week because mm-hmm. I don't know if the story will change over by the time I get there. But there's some story about him today about like uh, one of the accusers was like calling out Prince Andrew in England. He's like, "You know what you did." He does know what he did. I bet you he does. I bet you he does. Michael, last but not least, uh, give me one more thing besides art, besides '97 uh, Volkswagen Jettas and Aerosmith. <laughs> give, me one more, give me one more thing that you are passionate about. Mm. Um, cooking. Cooking. Yeah, nice. I like to cook. Nice. Um, I I got I have a meal plan here, so I'm not cooking as much. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, we get the deluxe meal plan, which is which is pretty amazing actually. <laughs> um, but yeah, I like I like to cook. Uh, yeah. Jennifer, you one more thing that you are passionate about. So it's funny that you asked that because I had a doctor's visit a little while ago. Mm. I'd avoided the doctor for a while. Oh yeah. Yep. <laughs> no, I know that's story. So I saw her and she asked me what my hobbies were and I had a very long, unhealthy pause. Because when you're an artist, your hobby is just art. Yeah. art. Yeah. That's all you do all the time. Um, so she was very concerned. But so now I have a answer for you. <laughs> 
I like kayaking. Kayaking. <laughs> nice. Well, you definitely picked a good spot in yeah. New York State. Like we Yeah, we have good spots. Tons and tons of stuff within like the, I would say within like an hour. You can do all sorts of crazy kayaking mm. stuff. Should we go to the Black River Environmental oh, I can't think of the name of it. I'll find the name of the park. There's a place oh, in the Black do. River that we take our kids kayaking to every year. It's really cool. So. Cool, cool. Um, Audrey, you want to give me one more thing that you're passionate about while you're on? You might have did this last time you were here, but what I else? Might have, I can never remember. <laughs> no, that's fine. I don't, I don't remember what I said. Um, similarly, outdoor. Yeah. Um, when I'm not um, doing stuff at Munson Williams and in home improvement, yeah. <laughs> child rearing. Yeah. Uh, my husband and I love to go camping and go to the water and go to the lakes that we have here. It's probably a little bad radio, but I noticed you were pregnant when you came in. Mm-hmm. How um how far along are you? Now? Uh, I'm due in October. Maybe oh, boy close. number two. Two boys. Oh, I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that they're just going to beat up on each other for the next 20 years. I am the only boy. So I have two older sisters who are 10 okay. and 11 years older than me, and I'm the youngest boy. So by the time they got to me, I, they could give a crap. They're like, he's fine. He's fine. He just, he's up there playing with action figures. Leave him alone. He's not at each other's throat like the other two are. Uh, yeah, so I got lucky in that end. But, but, yeah, the boys tend to get away with more. Like the the at least when my sisters were trouble, like they were always at each other's throat. I was very quiet, so I think I could oh, just get away with stuff, and no one, you know. And also, I was the third one. They're like over. They're not, yeah, I was yeah. an only child. I am an only child, so I don't even know what two children living together is like. So it'll be exciting. oh, get ready. It's gonna be exciting. Uh, uh, Michael, I want to thank you so much. Thank for you so in. much. Janet, thank you so thank much. You, it's pleasure. a pleasure, uh, Audrey. Always a pleasure. Mm-hmm. Do you know how long you guys will actually be here? Like uh, in terms of total time frame? Yes. Nine months. Nine months. Nine months. They make. They make. It's a. Then you. You have a. They have a talk on September tenth on mm-hmm. Tuesday. It's free. It's from four to five thirty ish. Awesome. In the afternoon there, and then they they birth an art baby show. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, because it's nine months. Period. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's before the end, so the show is in March, and so we'll have close to that. Awesome. Uh, I want to thank you guys so much for taking the time to come out. We appreciate you. Uh, and again, I'm looking forward to seeing the work you guys have to do. I hope you guys enjoy yourselves while you're here. Uh, all right, folks, we'll be back to the show in just a moment. Folks, we're back. Welcome back to the UDCast. Thank you once again uh, to Janet Lauren Hill, uh, Michael Hicks, and Audrey Hassan Taylor of Munson Williams Proctor Arts Institute, uh, the artist in residence. They will be here for the next. I I feel bad that I didn't look up how long. Is it a year? Could be a year. However long they're here for, they're going to be here. At Munson Williams doing all sorts of stuff. Uh, check them out. They're going to the love it. They're, they're going to love Utica. They they no. We had a great time talking about uh, art. What do you guys know about art? I asked them. Uh, yeah, I'll ask you guys. I asked Kevin too. Um, is a video game art? It depends on what your idea of art is. Well, that's I guess that's the you question, know? right? Can video you... games be art? Absolutely. All the work that's put into it. It is like a good design. design. It's you're building some design. characters and world and background and. It's art. I guess you could it takes argue time and people that's... are to create it. It's Let's say you, Justin. How about a cheap plug? It's like the passport for me. 
We talked about the I passport did not earlier. This is not art. But it's kind of art. It's art. Are you but there's it? things in graphic design. Yeah, but the the art aspect that I like is my the story and the the elements that tie. The, Do video games uh, video games have stories? That's what I'm saying. So I guess they are art because like it's the it's art. the is a, story behind yeah. it is more artistic than the actual like here's a painting on a wall. It's like I want to know more about this piece mm-hmm. to consider it some sort of. So, I don't know. People, I don't know. It's a tough question. It's yeah. a tough gig. And uh, they, they had lots of good... Well, you guys heard the interview. Yeah. Uh, well, Justin's, this podcast yeah. is not art. It, it could be. It could be. <laughs> uh, Justin, <laughs> Justin's back again. Uh, he's not a guest this week. He's just filling in for Kevin, who's got a show tonight. It's like my high-pitched Kevin. softball. I do it once. And, yeah, and they watch it back all the time. just keeps calling. God, you're yeah. still... I can't believe how hung up you are in softball still. That's it's insane. It. Uh, Heather, before we get into um, uh, history lessons this week, since we're just doing the back half... Uh, last week you were mad at me because I didn't give you time to talk about how you climbed the highest peak. The second highest. Second highest peak. You told me I didn't. Thanks. Yeah. That's okay. We just talked about you. Second highest peak. (laughs) Second highest peak. So tell me more about it. No, it was awesome. It was one of the coolest things I've ever experienced. It was awesome. You do all sorts of hiking. You all over the place and do trails and mountain stuff and all that kind of things. What's the scariest one you've done? Because I was a little nerved out at parts on Bald Mountain. What's I don't doesn't bother me. Heights don't bother you, mm-hmm. like the they're nothing. Like they're there's no way you're gonna fall. There was I mean, a couple... you can, but it's bad news for the state <laughs> if you <laughs> put people in scenarios where like falling's common. Unless right. You're so like, like if you're going on trails, it should be. It's gotta be. There's a responsibility of your your state to keep. <laughs> I've never been in this situation. Right. Where I'm like, oh my gosh, I think I might die here. No. But you would have to wander probably you very far off out. Yeah, like, to put yourself in serious, yeah, serious danger. Like... But you're pretty high up there. Yeah. It's just like I feel like some of those hills are steep. If you fell down like a rock, I'm not you're saying you're going like to die, twi- but you'd you're, hurt you hurt your arm. Like a, or... You'd get a twisted ankle or something <laughs> like that. That's your risk out <laughs> so in the suck. mountains is just like yeah, no, turning it is. your That's the most thing that they get people out of the have to get people out of the woods for is. Twisted ankles. Yeah. Twisted ankles, yeah. yeah, all the time. Bear attacks. But it was the most... No, minimal on bear attacks, tons of yeah, twisted ankles. Yeah, very minimal. <laughs> tons of twisted ankles. I've never seen All bear. sorts of weird reactions. So, the poison ivy, maybe. Oh, he's a pro over here. He's, yeah, a bear he twisted its ankle. It fell down the hill. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> a bear with poison ivy rolled down me and twisted my ankle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's funny. People go there with like, their kids and their dogs, though, and I was like, I can barely... Over ball. Cass can go up Bald Mountain. I'll buy him some. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. See, now I feel like a real schmuck. You yeah. should. <laughs> you should. He's three. He's, he is three. Uh, so here's what I wonder, though. Will he get to a point where he's... Because I wasn't scared of heights as a kid. I'm mm-hmm. scared of heights as an adult because I have, like, a job and I have insurance and stuff. And I'm like, ah, I'm not trying to fall off. Will you, did, is there a point when you get old enough to realize you're scared of something? I think so. Because he's scared, like, if he's up on, like... A little ladder, like at the playground. Right, right, right. He doesn't right. understand depth perception up on a mountain. Yet. Makes sense. Right. He the, just looks at it like, I don't know. I've done. Yeah, I'm close to the ground. Yeah. I've so, done the hot yeah. stove with you. You don't know, like, so if you, I say something's hot, and you never know what that is until mm-hmm. you physically touch it and correlate yeah. it, and you can connect back. You don't know what it is. Yep. Young kids don't understand That's a lot of things, yeah. so they haven't hot stove. They haven't yeah. touched the hot stove yet for you to be like, hey, that bath water is hot. You know what a kid does now is like, like the stove. Yep. I better be careful. I know. Every... You got to develop that, or else you don't care about nothing. I don't know if we've talked about this in the podcast before. My hot stove moment, if you will, was my grandparents used to have a. Uh, uh, Grand Marquis. Is that Mercury? Mercury Grand Marquis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Big whale of a car. In the back, it was like in the, you know, the early 90s. Uh, 
And this thing had um, we call cigarette lighters yeah. in oh, all yeah. of the, the, in the yeah, and there's a whole bushel of them all yeah. over the damn car. And I remember I was like goofing around back there one day, and I touched it and it, like heated up, and I touched it with my finger, and I got burned in a way that I had never been burned before. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, this is like searing pain. My grandparents were so mad. <laughs> Shout out to grandma and grandma. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that dope car, I love that Mercury. Uh, all right, uh, let's let's get to this week. Oh, Justin, do you want to plug anything before we? Before we get going, we have our events this weekend. I plugged yeah. it already once. Oh, you did? So I plugged it in the front half. Nailed it. I'm sure. I pulled up the website and I had the full list of all the stuff. I have it you here. You know what's crazy? The one thing I will plug because for some reason I keep getting asked is like, where do I pick up the passports if I chose local pickup? And I have to keep sending just the picture of passport release party. Uptown Theater. At the Uptown Theater Friday would night. be the first place. I mean, there's going to be numerous places. Every event at the get down, you will be able to buy a passport, and then mm-hmm. at Handshake City, you will be able to pick up them if you. Yeah, get, I just so they're assume they pick available up at everywhere. City. They're for pickup at the park specifically, mm-hmm. and at the Uptown. So like, yeah, there's a few places. I just don't know how people have found the passport, purchased them, and then missed the pickup party, <laughs> which is Friday. Well, it's That's, on. <laughs> so there. Well, it's on the website at handshake.city slash event slash downtown. And that downtown would be the first place downtown. to pick them up. And yeah. it's a good time to pick them up because you can use it with the onion and slice right off the bat. And then you also get music and improv and awesome. all that good stuff. So there's it's worth it. I keep telling Justin that I think there's an aftermarket for these passport photos as like uh, posters. I think if you made them all as like individual posters like mm-hmm. for each business, I think there's some. They're awesome. I think there's another aftermarket for this product. Shout out to me on Twitter if you would put up like a... A slice style poster in your house. That or would be going. art then. That's art, right? Do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> so frames. Frames. frames is what makes frames it art. Makes it art. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's get into this week's uh, history lessons on this week uh, on this day, uh, 1902, going all the way back to 1902. The first sci-fi film, A Trip to the Moon, is released. Uh, French adventure film directed by Georges Méliès, who I'm hoping I said that right. Uh, follows a group of uh, astronomers who travel the, the moon in a cannon-propelled capsule. It was a huge international success on its release, and it was extensively pirated by other studios, especially in the United States. <coughs> United States, pardon me. Uh, it had unusual length. It was very short. Uh, it had crazy special effects, and it cost lots and lots and lots of money at the time to make, like $10,000, which in 1902 was a crazy ungodly amount, ungodly, ungodly amount of money in 1902. Um... It's one of the most popular films of the first few years of the 20th century, rivaled only by a small handful of others. Uh, late in life, uh, Milliers himself remarked that it's not one of his best films, but acknowledged that it is widely considered his masterpiece and that it left an indelible trace. Uh, it was the first of its kind, uh, and he's very proud of it now in hindsight. If you, I don't know if you've ever seen this. You can find it on YouTube. Just type in Trip to the Moon 1902. It's that famous film reel with like the moon that has like a face in it and they shoot oh, the yeah. rocket at the moon and like the bullet hits it in the face and it gets all grumpy uh mm-hmm. it's really cool if you it's really cool to think about when you're watching it from the context that it's like a hundred and uh 17 years yeah. ago right you mean like it's like wow it's crazy or you know whatever so what's crazier the motion picture aspect of it or the Die. going to space part of it was it like <laughs> both because <laughs> it's like one of the first ones 
Yeah, he made other sort of sci-fi-esque films, which I've never seen. One called The Kingdom of the Fairies and one called The Impossible Voyage, which were also, like, uh, again, ahead of their time in terms of special yeah, effects. Yeah, because they sound yeah. awesome right now. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. right Who now. did that guy get influenced by? Well, what the hell happened yeah. to make him think of it? Yeah, George Mills. Uh, yeah, look him up. It's, it's his last name, if you're interested. It's uh, M-E-I-L-E-S, but it's got all sorts of accents over the top of it. George Milliers, yeah. I believe is how it's pronounced. He's uh, got to be an alien plant. Who came you like in to try to just like test the market? Hey Did guys, you what do you call think? Just an alien plant. That yeah. Oh, plant. like a, like he's oh. a mole. So you're going like the Tom York theory. People say like Tom York from Radiohead isn't a human being; he's an alien. I and have that's a why suspected alien list. Yeah. See? yeah, suspected alien list. Just mm-hmm. testing it out. Did you read those Workshopping books alien when you were a kid? Like my teacher is an alien. Yes. Yeah, I remember those books. That was a good one. Uh, I had a list of like influential sci-fi movies, but we're already going long on this, so I'm going to move <laughs> on. Uh, 1944. Uh, Holocaust diary, uh, a diarist Anne Frank is sent to the concentration camps. Kind of a dark story. Uh, have you guys ever, you can go on YouTube and go look at the History Channel and type in, like, the, the actual place where they stayed. Mm-hmm. It's really impressive, like, that they, the way it was designed, it's like behind this bookcase and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, I can't imagine, like, how you wouldn't have gotten caught. Like, so many people up in this little tiny little, sh- I feel like somewhere along the way you would just... Someone would do something. You drop something. You well, like. They did you know what I mean? Did happen. Well, they got ratted out. I think mm-hmm. is yeah. what happened to them. But well, the thing is, too, is if you're so right now, any person in the army around here to know anything about this house or that house or anything, yeah. you don't know just showing up, right? So like they, the germ, like people come, they probably have no clue who actually. You might have an idea, but to to believe that there is people there without obvious reason, you probably come so infrequently. Well, the All way, things considered. it wasn't a house either. It was a business. A business it, was, yeah. it was an Amsterdam warehouse, and it was uh, a it was a shelter that they went to in 1942, uh, and it was another Jewish family, and they were aided by some Christian friends who uh, who would bring them food and supplies. And there was this secret annex, and that's where they spent yeah. most of their time. Um, her last diary entry is August 1st, 1944, which is three days before they oh. actually get caught. So if you're ever reading the book and you're curious, I mean, they don't really... Didn't they release more diary entries last year? Wow, look at you. You're on top of me. You're, you're beating my stories. 1995. Sorry. Not well, they that, just maybe found, more, but in 95... Yeah. Found more entries. Well, so in 1995... holding them. Well, uh, no, 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 no. no. So what there's... That? In 1995, they restored material that had originally been edited out by publishers yes. in 19... Oh, uh, the lost page. The 44. Well, stuff that was probably about... Because she was like a girl, girl like going through teenage stuff that probably they, they talked about... To, like, that's what they said. They didn't want to talk about it yeah yeah it's a girl's diary you know what i mean so there's a lot of stuff that they're not like trying to put into the world in 1944 for people but uh but yeah i mean i read this in high school i don't think i ever read it like casually i could and then i've seen i think there's a couple movie versions i don't remember off the top of my head if you had a definitive version of this you saw if you read it in school or saw a movie uh hit me up on twitter let me know i'm always curious i think there was a movie version i watched in high school if anyone's read all of it uncut. Yeah, yeah. I would be very interested in that. Because, like, if you're I'm just talking about, like, it. interpretations and versions over years, and there's, like, pages out there, could you mm-hmm. imagine? That's got to be... I want to read it. It's, it's context and time, right? Like, we, you view things differently now than you probably would mm-hmm. have when they would have done it. So, like, are we desensitized to some stuff, but it might be sure. more interesting I mean, to learn about? I don't we, know. Well, also diaries. The concept of owning a diary. Or who owns a diary? Yeah, who now diaries? it would be, like, the Twitter feed of somebody who... Is, is this your like, diary? I, mean, I just talk to everybody on Instagram stories. Instagram, yeah, Instagram stories, yeah, yeah. That's what it would be. You'd be doing a podcast The Sam Famolaro would be your... In isolation. Yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. The isolation podcast. Yeah. Wow, that'd be horrifying. Um, it's also super... 
terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on this day, 1969, the very first automatic teller machine is inst- uh, is installed in Rockville Center uh, in New York. ATMs went on to revolutionize the banking industry, eliminating the need to visit banks to conduct business, uh, basic uh, financial transactions. Uh, the first ones that debuted in 1969 only gave out cash. You didn't do anything else. You couldn't like check your account balance or any of that shit. You just had to take money out. Wasn't until 1971 that you could do things like check your balances and things like that. 1971. 71. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, this probably weren't common in 1971. They just existed. Well, I mean, it's weird. People were checking their balance at an ATM since 1971. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Today they're uh, and I don't remember. This is from like. Um, like the uh, History Channel's research, so I don't know when they update this, but there's well over 1 million ATMs around the f- world. That feels kind of small. feels kind of low, actually. Mm. Uh, with one added approximately every five minutes. Um, it wasn't until 1990 that banks started charging fees to use ATMs. What? It's super annoying when you're so in college. From, so from <laughs> 71 through 1990, you just took money willy-nilly. Are you kidding me? No. And could check your balance. And you could check your balance. Mm-hmm. Uh... Consumers also faced the increase in the 90s of ATM crimes and scams. People were praying uh, because this was also the era that you could set up your own ATM machine like at your business, right? Which is separate from like a banking ATM. So now you're starting to get into like the... Have you seen now though? You can make checks now in, in, in a bank. Yeah, I, I mean... I wrote a check. I've said it before. ATM. I used to be a what? Bank of America. Yeah, you can at America, you can put your bank card in there and write a check to somebody. <laughs> They'll print it out right... It prints out right there. Vardon. Uh... <laughs> I've explained Bart. I do want to know what that means. I don't even know what that is. Uh, it's only mean? us. It's like a one percent joke. Uh, He's here. Uh, no, it's true though because I've read the one that I got me that scares me all the time when I go to ATMs now is apparently the way they get you is they put like a scanner over the top of the pre-existing scanner, oh, right? Yeah. Where you put your card in. Like there's a dummy one they put over the top. So when you put your card in, the dummy one scans your stuff. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, and then you, they would come in at a later date and pull the dummy part off, and it would just be things. So some people probably some sketchy ATM machines. Yeah, don't well, be using. I was thinking of like an Ocean's thirteen or eleven, whatever they're at. With they all hit ATMs at the same time. If there's a million out there, and you just like gang style robbed all these ATMs. How much oh. cash is there? I don't know how much is super calculated. ATM. Nobody would even notice. I would say if boom, the boom, first boom. ATM machine was installed in 1969, the first attempted ATM robbery was also in 1969. Yeah, same day. I would say the same, same day. day. We, yeah, somebody. Someone found out there's money like, in that box. It's just cash in a box. There's Let's get it. Money in that box. Um, all right. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, money in the TV box on this one on this day, 1984. We're actually one week early from the actual anniversary, but I thought uh, it would, it doesn't make sense because it already happened this year. The first MTV Video Music Awards happened. They just happened last week. The first ones didn't happen until September. We're like in between. It happens okay. next week. Right, whatever. Right. I wanted yeah. to talk about it. Labor right. Day is a little early yeah. this year. Uh, it aired on September 14th, 1984. Uh, it was at Music City, uh, Radio City Music Hall in New York City. <laughs> the show was hosted by Dan Aykroyd and Bette Midler. I love Dan which is really? a weird... Yeah. I don't know. I, I, don't, I guess 1984... But they were big and... They Bette were Midler? Yeah. And 84 was on MTV? It yeah. seems like a weird... That teen crowd was probably so coveted. New She's and only in fresh. her 30s, I think, probably, right? In 84, Bette Midler was in her... No. Yeah. You think so? Yeah. It's that huh. 18 to 24... But it watches on YouTube afterwards. Uh, the night's, that's a good idea. The night's big winner, Herbie Hancock. Herbie Hancock, who... Uh, Took home five awards, followed by Michael Jackson, who won three. Uh, the wow. night, the night's main award, though, for best uh, music video, 
uh, went to the Cars for their song, You Might Think, making it the first of a very small number of times in which the winner of Video of the Year did not take home any other awards for the remainder of the night. I do love that song by the Cars. Uh, we don't have to get into the details of like uh, the history of VMAs. I did pull up some iconic moments, though, if you guys remember any of these when they were happening. Or first off, I guess... Of any VMAs. Yeah, what's, like, what are the most iconic VMA things you remember from um, growing up? I think you could probably name a couple Jimmy of these. Jimmy Fallon about... hosting was like a long time ago. Like he did like an, uh, a White Stripes thing into an M&M, and he was like climbing the wall, <laughs> yep. and he was really just like... He dropped like the rope and he not just started exactly, dancing and making fun of him. Not exactly what I was expecting you to say, but I'll I just take I don't it. know. It oh, was yeah. funny. Puff Daddy when uh, what's this when Biggie died and um, oh yeah, Sting, Sting oh, yeah. was out there. Forget, no one Sting, will forget that one. Sting, uh, that's definitely okay. Go in the first there? year. Okay. Go did the live uh, treadmills maybe? Oh the, yes. Uh, at the VMAs. Yeah. The real story from this 1984 first one was Madonna doing like a virgin and yes. rolling around on stage in the dress. Uh, that's probably the the biggest moment, and that's probably why this event like took off. Another couple ones that people talk about: uh, Michael Jackson and Lisa Marie Presley have a kiss, a oh, passionate yeah. PDA in front of the stage. Uh, Fiona Apple says the world is bullshit during her acceptance speech in 1997. She like goes up and yells about it. Nice. Uh, Diana Ross touches Little Kim's boobs oh, in yeah. 1999. Oh, yeah, yeah. jiggled yeah. Can't do that now. Uh, Britney and Madonna kissed each other oh, yeah, in 2003. Right. Uh, oh, man, there's a lot of, like, people making out. Oh, Kanye West bum-rushes Taylor Swift That's in uh, 2009. This is from uh, U.S. Magazine, by the way, if you're looking for my sourcing on this. Wow, 10 uh, years <laughs> since he did that to the VMAs. That's so old. That's the last one that I remember, like, being like, wow, what a crazy thing. Like, now I don't... I read some of the stuff from this week's VMAs this year. I watched a couple performances, and I said, okay. Wasn't there, <laughs> like, fine. one song from Foo Fighters who was, like, hanging from, like, a... Um, from something in the back during the con- it was like somebody well Blink-182 had the guy they had like the drum set on the thing that was swinging around I remember that uh, there's a lot of them on here I mean I'm not gonna dig into every single one VMAs used to feel like big cultural events I think in a way that it's it like just sort of feels like a regular television words. show now like well, for vi- music, music videos and stuff. And it's a whole bunch of live performances. Just always weird. They should have showed a bunch of videos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it used to... Well, I think it... Okay, so I think in 1984... They all the new music right? videos or something well, instead of a live performance. Mm-hmm. That would seem to make more sense. In 1984, what were the chances that you, as a pop culture observer, like a person who lives in the Midwest, right, watching TV at your house on cable, is ever going to get to see a performance by Madonna? In 1984. That's true. Do you know what I'm saying? So the idea that you would watch a live music performance the, on TV, a cable the, with these artists you know, that's, that's probably more, a big deal the in more, The more important historical We've lost, musical show. It's so easy to get things you like now, right? If you wanted to hear a Madonna song in 1984, you had to hope it was on the radio. You had to either go to a record store and find the vinyl press or like a tape yeah, or whatever. Have the money. Yeah, where do, yeah, and how, you know what I mean? So it's... Your access point was so was so wide then. Now it's or, or it was so thin then. Now it's huge. You can just go on YouTube right now and watch this event from 1984 in 10 seconds. Right? It's right, not. Right. I always try and think of it in context of like 1984. It must have been a big deal that Madonna was on TV. That Michael Jackson was on TV. That like Bette Midler and people Herbie were showing Hancock, up. Herbie Hancock, Aaron, like, yeah, biggest star of the year. Loved Hancock. Um, and then Britney Spears also had the one where she had the snake, snake. the big snake, the, the Burmese python. Yeah, the, big, the Burmese Python. Everyone loved Britney Spears. She had a lot of uh, moments. This is a big... She might be the all-time, like, Next BMA. biopic, I'm already calling it. 
Britney Spears? The Britney Spears story. They've done the men already. You've already seen She's the one. So you think the natural progression is Elton John... Oh, sorry. Queen, Elton John, then Britney Spears? I don't think we've made that quite jump yet. Mm -hmm. We'd have to do another... That's why I'm the one calling it. They should have done it after A Star is Born. That would have been one. She should have been in A Star is Born instead of Gaga. She probably tried out for that part. No, that's terrible. She probably tried out and lost. Terrible. Uh, and then we don't have to do this one because it's kind of lame, but in this day, 2018, uh, the, FBI annou- the FBI announced that they had recovered Dorothy's ruby red slippers from the Wizard of Oz, which had been stolen and held captive for 13 years. So 13 years ago, somebody stole... By who? Uh, I would imagine some sort of uh, thieves. It looks like some sort of thieves. Uh, Could you imagine... They had been stolen in 2005 from the Judy Garland Museum in Grand Rapids, wow. Minnesota. Um, and they had been on loan to the museum uh, from wherever they were from, Smithsonian what? Museum of History. So they just held on to them for thirteen. Years? I would imagine they're worth about two million dollars, mind you. Wow. In case you're curious, wow. like they're they're one of the most. Uh, I mean, we are, I guess we're arguing the story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, that's a spot on steal. That's not something you plan for. That's being like, oh. Let's take Those that. are right there, and like nobody's. You probably have no plan whatsoever. That's why they couldn't catch the person for thirteen years because they assumed nobody says, would want them. Well, no, it's a low-level crime, like a uh, criminal. I mean, someone who's never done this before. They mm-hmm. just saw a moment where, like, yep. So they didn't make Open classic criminal. Well, you know, it's crazy. It turns out when they found the guy, he was wearing them. No. no, I'm just kidding. No, I made that part. He up. was trying to uh, no place like home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was yeah, his heels. Please, get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> There's no place like home. Uh, <laughs> Some guy named Reese Thomas, who is an author of the Ruby Slippers of Oz book, said that these are the holy grail of all Hollywood memorabilia. Sounds like something a guy with a book would say. With a book like that would write. I know, that's what I said, too. Would it really sell it? I did pull up a list of, like, I don't know, this is a weird list, iconic clothing from films. I don't remember a lot of this stuff, right? Like, they just said, like... Shares outfit from Clueless, like the plaid. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Um, that original that's always one. The yellow uh, and black. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Back to the Future lace-up sneakers, like the Future sneakers. Oh, yeah. yeah. Those, those are pretty are, good. Yeah. Uh, apparently, Jennifer Beals' uh, pullover from Flashdance that showed her shoulder. That oh, was yeah. Like a that's, fashionable that's super thing. Iconic. And then from 16 Candle, oh, sorry, Pretty in Pink, uh, Ducky, those are the friend. He had the round sunglasses, which you can see anywhere if you go in Brooklyn, like at every place in Brooklyn. It's very hip to have those now. I don't know, I couldn't think of any other iconic clothing from movies. I mean, I guess like the amazing Technicolor dream coat or something. You know what I would do like for that. like a Pee Wee Herman suit? From like oh, yeah, that's Pee Wee Herman. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Anything oh, from yeah. Pee Wee's uh, Big Adventure would be like, for me, would be top notch, I think. Yeah, it's true. I'm trying to think. Like, I guess maybe the dude's outfit from like the Lebowski, like oh, that yeah. sort of, like, just some like iconic looks. I guess is different. Like, it's not a single yeah. piece of clothing. What's well, tough one? It's like a single piece of clothing. The ruby slippers are like part of the, mm-hmm. it's, like part of the story yeah. of the Wizard of Oz. I want the whole you know I mean? suit of Pee Wee Herman, and I just put it in. A, <laughs> That's I'd be your art because I'd frame it. No, <laughs> is it art? Oh, I would frame God. it, and uh, I would just leave it there and look at it. Uh, I didn't have a ton of extra stuff for us to do, so I found a little bit of uh, weirdly fast food news that's coming up this week. We've not at all talked about the chicken sandwich, the Popeye's chicken sandwich that has taken over the country on this podcast. No. Um, it's weird that we had a Popeye's in Utica for like five years, and now it closed right there for beefing the... over chicken. That's Wait, <laughs> it's what true. Is the, what is the new sandwich? So Popeye's put out a chicken sandwich. It is their most popular item. So um, they say. 
They, they apparently it's moved like two million chicken sandwiches over the first month. They can't keep it in stock in stores. What does it, it do? What does it look like? It's a great uh, marketing campaign. There's definitely chicken sandwiches. Available. It's basically a, a a big chicken sandwich with pickles on it and some sort of fancy sauce, yeah. and it's on a bun. It's supposed to be like yeah. a so it went viral essentially about yeah. it, and people bought uh, allegedly bought it all. And they, they sold out. I think it's just a like really good marketing plan. I really do. I think that they're just, like, creating this big thing. Uh, well, on Wednesday, uh, a guy from East Ridge, Tennessee, filed a civil summons against Popeye's Chicken. Uh, <laughs> his lawsuit came one day after the uh, after the chain announced they were officially sold out, but they would bring the sandwiches back soon. Uh, so he's suing them, asking for $5,000 from Popeye's, which would buy about 12,000, 1,200 chicken sandwiches. He's suing them for, I don't know if it's false advertising. i got to find the charge that he's going with here. Yeah, I mean, there could be serious concern with that. <laughs> I mean, I've never had the, a Chick-fil-A uh, chicken sandwich, which seems to be, the, if you apparently the thing you would do if we were like a good social media company and we were yeah. making videos, we would go to Popeye's and Chick-fil-A like, and like uh, Wendy's and get one of each sandwich. We should we would, do that. There's no Popeye's or Chick-fil-A. Where do we have well, to go to Chick-fil-A? Popeye's we have Wendy's was and here. McDonald's. And we don't have no Chick-fil-A. Chance. We don't have Chick-fil-A. That's the whole beef. The whole beef there is There was one between... in the mall, wasn't there? In our mall? There's no, some, that's, some, that was some... Some kind of chicken that place. That was some bogus chicken place. It was not... <laughs> no. That was a Chick-fil-A that we opened. People would okay. be going to that Chick-fil-A. <laughs> That's like, I just don't think it's, re- I, you'd have to look it up on the internet. I mean, I'm not going to look it up right now, but I don't think there's a Chick-fil-A in our, Syracuse. In our, maybe. Oh, yeah, Syracuse, you Syracuse, might be right. Yeah, you're right. There's people who there drove is. out there yeah. from here and put all over Instagram. That will have to do that, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Man, it, to great lengths over, God. Was there, what's like an item, was there ever any like new item that popped up on any fast food menu that you like when you were coming up? Like I feel like when I was a kid, I saw the McRib for the first time and I was like, I need I to try that. a McRib. Yeah. I have to have it. Burger Buddies. Burger King used to have the those little, little tiny burger hamburgers. Buddies. They were stuck. To... No, yes. I thought they were so great. Yeah, yeah, they had yeah. Two of them and they were little guys. You know, Burger King. Best. They also had the cinnamon minis, the cinnamon buns. Oh yeah. Which you could never get because I was never up that early when yeah. I was a kid, and I was always sad. Do you remember? It's not even a good thing, but they had the Hershey chocolate pies at Burger King. Yes. Yeah, they yeah. were like a dollar yeah. twenty nine or something they were like amazing. that. Yeah, that was a must have. Out of the way, mom, please go get that for a long time. I was like, I don't know, it's so cheap. It was delicious. I'm currently on a on and up on these dollar fifty honey barbecue sliders you said that from this is Arby's. At least the third or fourth time oh. you've praised them to it's you. Just, yeah, yeah, so and you that, yeah, I mean that's a big sell. They're pretty good. It's I mean, I get sell. tired of having to spend a dollar in McDonald's chicken sandwich. You know, it's not the dollar; it's the freaking twenty minute wait for. A, There's never their, even there. There's never anybody terrible there. Terrible service. A hot take: Arby's. Uh, doesn't pull half the customers that McDonald's mm-hmm. pulls. It's very dead in there all the time. It's you can almost, be in and out of there in like three we minutes. We went there last week Tops. and foolishly got food because we were going down to Handshake. Oh. I, I'm telling you, man. And you have the worst luck at any food places, though, that it ever exists. Like, for the if, idea of just getting fast food and being in line for 20 minutes, just it was outrageous. I've left... Fast food places. I've pulled in, looked at the line. I've never had experience well, that way. They long. had the second really? window. Yeah, I've never experienced In South Utica? Well, I never go to South Go to the South. Okay. To, I've seen leave it. Leave here and go to South Utica McDonald's. And then call us in an hour and tell us when you're done. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what it's going to take. No, the South Utica McDonald's in particular is really bad. It should be shut down. I mean, it couldn't be shut down. You know how much business that place does? It probably, it's probably the most successful McDonald's around here. You know what they have to it's, I, dude, I'm telling you, it's crammed with people all the time. Um, no, I, I mean, here's the thing. 
I wish there were less fast food restaurants, but I think the reason that one is so full is because there's really not anything else around it to compete with it. Like, I've been saying for years to bring a Taco Bell. <laughs> put it yeah. into South I'll Utica. Uh, speaking of Taco Bell, I'm actually trying to get into that next segment. Uh, Taco Bell uh, is killing a bunch of their items this week. So if you like certain yeah, things from the Taco no. Bell items... They are what? getting rid of a bunch of them. I hope they got rid of the chili cheese burrito, and that made me so sad. Yeah, here we go. Uh, the fiery Doritos Locos. Every Doritos Loco taco that's not Good. the cheese one. That's fine. Good. Those are disgusting. Uh, the double decker taco. Mm, I don't care. The beef mini quesadilla. That's a shame. I like mm. that one. Uh, chips and salsa. No more chips and salsa. What? Uh, Chipotle chicken loaded griller. I don't even know what that Gross. is. Double tostada. Mm. Uh, the power menu burrito. Which I think okay. is like a, a, like a health menu type thing. Mm-hmm. And the XXL grilled stuff burrito. No! Oh, is that your favorite? <laughs> That's your jam? <laughs> Park loves I the grilled. The I was only waiting for two things. The uh, Crunchwrap Supreme or the oh, grilled stuff good. burrito. Yeah, grilled oh, stuff burrito. No! Tonight, or like 25 of them I love them. a burrito uh, that's also pressed. Uh, yeah, a pressed and burrito. Jam-packed. <laughs> Why did you I uh, You know what's funny? I haven't been in a while. Um... But I watched Avengers Endgame last night with mm-hmm. Kevin, and there was a scene in the movie where one of the guys, Paul Rudd's eating tacos. And ever since then, I'm like, mm, yeah, I'm thinking about tacos. That's the thing. The Marvel movies don't make me want to watch the Marvel movies. They make me want to eat tacos. That I think that's they're really, doing their job. They're doing their mm-hmm. job. Uh, all right. So I guess we'll do some bits from other blogs, and then we'll call it quits. Uh, and then that's it. Handshake.city. Midnutica.com. Slash. Downtown Get Down. I don't know. Go yeah, to the website. Like, that's there. Uh, it's going to be a big week. I already praised this all in the first half. I'm not going to do it all again. All right, all right you guys ready? Um, all right, so this is this is kind of a strange one. Uh, once when I was in college, uh, I was very intoxicated and accidentally seasoned some strip steaks with cinnamon, uh, mistaking it for seasoned salt. Being an idiot, I didn't realize the mistake until I took a bite of the terrible beef. It was very gross. But I finished it because I'm not a quitter. That's the right. question is... What's the worst food you've screwed up while cooking but still eaten due to some reason? How about the worst food I screwed up at a restaurant and everybody ate without realizing? Sure, I'll take it. Um, I was supposed to put sugar into sauce. Oh, put salt. salt. Bulk. Bulk sauce. <laughs> Enough for an entire day's worth of pizza oh. making and pasta making. That like beats everything. And then I left. <laughs> My shift was over. I had only heard about it days later when I worked again. It's like, did you put sugar in? Like, oh no, maybe I didn't. I'm a very soft Ruined person. It all. I'm a very soft person. I will throw something away if I don't eat it. Like, I do not have that part of me, like that stubbornness or that like I've never been so broke that I've made something terrible to eat and was like, I'm gonna force this down my throat. Uh, I will say. I've eaten some stuff that I thought was going to be all right, and it was trash. My dad used to make all sorts of wild shit. He used to make peanut butter, jelly, and mayonnaise sandwiches. Uh, I don't know. I can't. He might have just been high. I can't. I still, to this day, I cannot tell you. What's you got to have a, like a poor kid food? A poor kid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's your poor kid food? <laughs> Probably like we used to do a lot of like bologna, bologna and butter, bologna, fried bologna, bologna, bologna and butter. My dad used to do fried I, fried bologna all the time. I mean, I used to butter eat a lot of man, like yeah. it was just butter on yeah. bread. Yeah, I ate so oh much, but I still God. do butter and yeah. bread. Yeah. You and I have talked about this. I think we ate. I ate a lot of Chef Boyardee and oh, like yeah. canned raviolis. I just cereal. got three cans of cheese raviolis. Bag cereal, no name cereal. I mean, I'm still. Yep. Here's the Magic thing. I still ride. Magic with Star. Yeah, yeah. I still ride with bag cereals. I think that bag cereals. There's marshmallows in there. On a standard PC keyboard, computer keyboard, 
What key could disappear tomorrow and no one would ever remember it ever existed? The one that automatically opens up your window taskbar because it's so yeah. easy just to click the start button. And open the I would say bar. I saw the answer to this on the thing. They said the front slash. I don't know if I've ever used a front slash for anything. I've also never used the one that looks like a tilde but doesn't go on top of the letter. It's the little squiggle on the top left. I don't. I've never used that one. That's for like, anything. but there's there's reasons for those for password security. Sure, yeah. password security. There's right. uh, two tab buttons. Probably could get rid of two. Get buttons. rid of one tab button. Yeah, you don't need two of yeah. those. Um, two shift buttons. Yeah, there's a couple yeah. of. Them. Uh, Here's How many a weird number one. keypads? You got them on the top my, on the uh, side there. That's my Chromebook and yours probably doesn't. My Chromebook does not have a caps lock key, and I don't. Oh, I don't miss it. Shift every yeah, mine doesn't time. either. Yeah, yeah. I don't miss it to be honest. It's not like it wasn't a huge loss for me. But still. And how often are you typing in just like, oh, hello, my name is Heather. I'm here to talk to you. Like, it doesn't Why matter. doesn't my Chromebook yeah. have caps lock on the Yeah, I can't have caps lock. <laughs> had to hit the shift button the whole time for this. Yeah, um, yeah I don't That's fine. I, it's, I don't need it that much. Um, uh, <laughs> you just obviously don't laugh out loud in capital letters. No. <laughs> <laughs> this is a weird one. What kind of food wrapper have we as a society consumed the most of? I think the answer is gum. For sure. Right, gum wrappers. Like some pe- some drunk person just eating a gum wrapper with the with the gum. Yeah. The food wrapper, aluminum muffin foil count, probably. Aluminum muffin wrap. Yeah. I would say anything like, like I... aluminum foil or like wax papery is probably on baked goods floor. I would say on eggshells. No, that's not a wrapper. Oh, I would say like a lot of can- a lot of like candies. Right, if you if you eat like a Starburst that's, that's been enough. in the sun for a minute, like that's been in the mm-hmm. heat. The wrapper will like rip off, and you'll have like paper in the thing. Like I'm not digging in there to pull the paper I'll out. I'm just gonna paper. eat it. I don't. I'm care. thinking like trays with wax paper and stuff on the bottom. <coughs> yeah. You pull like a pastry out and just like, yeah, like pulls off like that paper and stuff. And yeah, stuff. And yeah. I swear to God, I think my stepdad was trolling me when I was a kid when he told me this. But he told me you could take like was it cinnamon chewing gum and just eat it with like the thin paper wrapper no on they it. all my babysitters just say that it was like a popular thing that yeah you can eat kids. the like the one that had the paper funny, wrapper they just on assumed you could just they're just telling you that. i didn't understand why like, what the point is though like why would you what do you get from it's it cool man nothing it's else cool. to do uh and all right this is an edgy one so we gotta be careful on this you guys ready uh, what's what's more likely to happen first a female president or a female head coach of a major professional sports team. Female president. I think uh, female that female sports coach, hands down. <laughs> I think if you don't think that a, I think it really depends if you don't think a woman is going to win this year. If you don't think a woman's going to win in November, then I would say female sports coach. I think that's probably two years away. I think there's already you already see like. Uh, people in the NBA. What's the, the lady's name in the Spurs? I Becky Hammond. Becky Hammond. Like there's there's, <clears throat> there's more. Now. Are you saying like a, of a male team or just of a ma- yeah, of, yeah, a, of a male professional sports team like I the NBA? Like so I can Lisa see maybe Leslie, basketball. I want to see football. Lisa I could never Leslie see it happening count in football. As a head coach of the big three teams. That is it. No, I guess what they when they say major professionally, I guess what I'm saying NBA, yeah. NFL, won't be baseball, or major league. Won't be it'll won't never be baseball. Won't be hockey. It would have to be the NBA. I think it would be hockey. And I think you're probably two years away on the. NBA. So if you it think that, get hockey actually. So unless you think Elizabeth Warren is going to win this year, then I would say mm-hmm. probably female sports coach. I think there'll be a female NBA coach within the next two to three years. That's just my 
my guess. I agree. Put this down somewhere. You want to put it down? Yeah, long time. I think it'll be sooner. I think you could see someone get fired this year and have a woman come in as an interim fill-in just to test. In this year, you think? Yeah, I think I think you're not wrong. Actually, that's pretty. I think Popovich retires. That's true because the season would start before. Popovich pieces out. You know the last big statement he's going to make to everybody. Fire back. Fire back. Yeah, that's true. Uh, all right, yeah, that's not so bad. That was that was better than I thought. Um, all right, do you guys want to talk fantasy football for one second? We're all in the Uticast Fantasy Football League. I don't know if we're gonna do like updates week to week. Uh, our season starts on Thursday. Big head, big matchup. We both, me and you, and we have players against each other. Heather, you're against. Thanks for my Mr. Wilson. Yeah, oh, you're playing. Uh, going down. Bill Stats. Yeah, so here, let me look at some of the matchups real quick before we I'll tell we you leave. an inside story quick on Heather and Zach's matchup. He said as soon as Luck retired, he went out and picked up Brissett even though he didn't need him. Just because yeah, he, <laughs> has, he has four quarterbacks on his yeah, roster just now. Like, well, uh, seems like a lot of people would yeah, want it. Heather, him. weirdly, still has Andrew Luck on her team. She's really um, holding on tight, waiting no, for no, her. No, no, he might have a change of heart. He might, have a, he might change his mind. Uh, Justin, you're playing me this week. Uh, I predict a... I'm always bad in fantasy, so I'm probably going to score 70 points. That's my general percentage, and you'll win. That'd be great. Are we doing goal differential for anything? No, no goal differential. No, I... Uh, Do you feel good about your fantasy team? This is the most boring conversation no. so for how our, about our this? listeners. Uh, I guess he's a pretend chance of winning. So, Gordon is out, and that was one of Zach's guys against Heather. So, she lost Luck, but he lost Gordon. Yeah. And then I also have Eckler, and now he's going to be... So, I'm, I'm feeling good about... Mm, I went with this tandem of all... Are backup secondary running backs hoping they get enough play because everyone gets hurt or in trouble. That's we, my theory. Every star will be in a contract dispute, arrested, or look, suspended. All I have is two questions. One, are we putting money on this league? I have to tell... Yeah, let's do it. So you want to put like 20 bucks on this then? Yeah. So we make it interesting for everybody? Are you allowed to say that? Why not? You can't. It's a friendly game. We're having, we're having fun out here. Is it friendly? It makes it. And no one's agreed on it yet. We haven't decided yet. If you guys, we'll hit it on the forum on <laughs> on the Utahcast Football League forums. Yeah, and number two, do you and I place. do you and I want to do any sort of side bet on our fantasy matchup since we're playing head to head this week? I give you. I'd even give you points. You're a fifty-one to forty-nine favorite going I'm into the so week. I'm so confident yes. in my potholes on opening day that I'm willing to give you <laughs> the potholes. Great name for your team, by the way. Yeah, by the way, for the rest of the folks on this team who haven't picked names for your team yet, what's up? I don't want a whole league full of like uh, Ed's expert team and TK's team. Give me some team names. I want some creativity on here? All right, that's it. We're going way over on this. Uh, fantasy football starts this weekend. Yeah, but tell oh, Heather who to pick up as a quarterback. We'll do that hey, afterwards. I'm, proje- I'm projected to beat. Yeah, you're uh, like a 60% week. favorite. Well, he lost and he's Gordon. got a quarter. He's got questionable people on here, and he's got two questionable teams. He's gonna begins. forget what he's Kevin's doing. So, he's some, yeah, Kevin's so happy out. he's not here for this. He hates this stuff so much. He's the Lord reigning commissioner on any disputed decisions. We just go to him. The he mountain, knows nothing. The, ju- <laughs> the Judge Mountain Landis of the Uticast Football <laughs> yep. League. Uh, Kevin will be back next week. Uh, Heather, you can follow her at Heather. Was when you follow Justin at Made in Utica, uh, Handshake City, uh, get down this weekend, uh, downtown get down, fourth annual. I can't believe it's yeah. already here. Yeah, it's, uh, it's gonna be a big weekend. We're excited. Passports will be here Thursday. Woo-hoo. Passports will be here Thursday. Uh, follow the show at Uticast. Uh, Cyanar Humanoids, keep it tight. Woodstock lives. Uh, that's it. The tape machines are rolling. We are desperately out of time. We will see you next week on another episode of the Uticast. After the, after get down, chill down, the the post chill down, post down. All right, bye.